Hey guys, Landon here just to let you know that the month of May is Mental Health Awareness Month and we here at Gruntwork are very passionate about uh, supporting this cause. So uh, if you or anyone you know feels like you might need uh, some help, someone to talk to, someone to reach out to, um, there's absolutely no shame in doing so and there are a lot of great resources out there uh, from the National Alliance on Mental Illness to uh, the Suicide Prevention Hotline, which is one 800 273 Please reach out to someone if you need it and help break the stigma around uh, mental health by sharing your experiences, sharing some resources, reaching out to anyone that might need a helping hand today. Does everybody know what time it is? All the world's a stage and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and entrances. And one man in his time plays many parts. His acts being seven ages. That man is JTT, and this show is grunt work. Forsooth. Give me a head with hair. Long, beautiful hair. Shining, gleaming, streaming, flaxen, waxen. Give me down-to-there hair, shoulder length or longer. Here, baby, there, mama, everywhere. (laughs) So long as that hair doesn't interfere with my ability to listen to Grunt Work, the only podcast about the TV series Home Improvement to sanitize all its combs in a jar full of mysterious blue liquid like at the barber shop. (laughs) I'm your host, Truman, the seriously considering shaving the sides of his head and putting the rest of it into a ponytail man caps, and with me as always (laughs) is my co-host Landon, the Brass Ringo Man Solano. Ooh, wow, I like that. You're you're welcome, Landon. uh, I, I give you that. Everybody's fourth favorite beetle, made out of brass. Hey, all right. The Fab Two, there's only two of us. So does that mean that we have to, each one of us takes on uh, two of the, two of the beetles? Uh, I, I guess I guess it does. Which which is what which is your other one going to be? Because I don't want to step on. I don't want to cramp your beetle style. Well, I know. Okay, so here's the thing. Uh, I think that most people would choose if they're stuck with Ringo, they would want one of the two ringleaders, which would be, uh, you know, Paul or or John. Yeah. Um. I'm going to go with George. George has always been my favorite. Really? Okay, okay. Um, he's the quiet one, but I think he, he's got the hidden talent. that He was the glue that held that band together. Yeah. And uh, I think he might not have had the most uh, longest solo career, but I, I think he has the most interesting and the best music in his solo career. Um, now that is Wings Erasure, and I will not stand for it. I will not stand for this, this affront. This is why you're a Paul. I, I guess that's why I'm a Paul, but I was actually about to say, I was actually going to pull a pull a, a fast one on you and say, actually, I want to be the fifth Beatle, a guy they call Jeff Lynn of Electric Light Orchestra. Um, but I am, I think actually I am far more charismatic than that uh, rock star who nonetheless just mumbles all of his words between songs. So yeah, I guess I'll take, I guess I'll take Paul. I'll take Paul and John. There you go. Okay. Well, uh, great, guys. Thank you. You've been a wonderful audience, and um, we'll see you next week. (laughs) When we cover another episode of The Beatles. Uh, When we'll we'll see if we changed our mind about which Beatles we want to cosplay as. Uh, Landon, it is good to hear your voice. How are you doing? Uh, you know, it's been, it's been a week. I'm not going to lie. Um, yeah. people on the internet, uh, our followers, our listeners, uh, might have noticed a, a little, um, lack of presence, both in our newsletter and social media. Um, you know, it's been, 
I think we all need a little break from time to time. And yeah. uh, if I was ever going to say, hey, guys, I need a little break, uh, this is the week for me. So uh, apologies for not being as communicative as normal, but... Um, you know, sometimes you just need a break from social media, man. I'm 38 years old. I just, I can't deal with the constant barrage of anger at every turn. I, I need to step away for a second. Yeah, you know, and I think that everyone needs a break, and I think that in every partnership, you need to be able to have faith that the other person can seamlessly step up and kind of uh, pick up the slack where you left off. And I'm sorry that this that I don't have any of the relevant social media knowledge to like run the feeds or the <laughs> newsletter or any of those things. Um, You're making the episodes happen. That's more than enough. <laughs> well, okay, thank you, Landon. I pre- I got the pat on the head I was looking for with that uh, with that fishing for compliments. Um, but here's it- your hook that you were fishing for with fishing with i mean sometimes you fish for hooks i guess maybe <laughs> i don't know it's 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 unseasonably only, hot in only my if rooms you are or uh captain hook and smee has knocked your hook off into the water <laughs> you have to then go fishing for it classic smee move um yeah so uh so um i'm trying to think if anything else there's anything else interesting that i have to mention up front of the show but the fact I, is Landon, i don't think we have to I, I don't i don't really yeah i don't really do much in my life anymore i sit in this apartment and wait for the governor to tell me i can leave <laughs> uh likewise uh and i i've been you know sitting here in my apartment all alone for about two months uh it's 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 wearing on me a little bit guys i'm not gonna lie <laughs> I'm I I'm I, God I'm sorry, Landon. I I need to I need to go on Amazon and order you some wrestling buddies if you don't have any of your own there. To at least like you can put a wig on one and pretend it's me. Well, yeah, I think we could just buy one with a wig that isn't a wrestling buddy and uh, just cut some corners here. <laughs> just listen, we're past nuance at this point. Just cut to the chase. We yeah. know what I want. We know what I need. <laughs> just buy the thing that we are all thinking. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I can. I'm sure I can find one at Goodwill or something like that, and we'll all save. Oh, we'll God, all save no. some money. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I did see one of those on Craigslist once on the free section, oh. where someone was just like, "Yep, I'm selling it. Heavily used, but she still got some life in her." And I was just like, oh, "God, screen grab and delete browser history." <laughs> Jesus Christ. I, that's one thing. I mean, I won't even use uh, somebody else's earbuds. <laughs> <laughs> Certainly not going to use somebody else. I, but, I have a problem even using a hand towel that somebody else has used. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, this um, this is definitely more than... Uh, I, this guy was more than buds with this thing, let me just say. And... Um, uh, uh, yeah, this is getting really blue. I don't think we need to go down that rabbit hole any further. No pun intended. Yeah. Uh, so, why don't we do what we are paid to do on this yes. show? So which let's is cover an episode of Home Improvement. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about which members of the 1970s band Bad Company we were going to be. Um, <laughs> but I'd I'd actually rather talk about Home Improvement because I don't know the name of a single member of the band Bad Company. It was just the first one that came to mind. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we watched uh, episode 21 of Home Improvement this week, uh, and, and I have a synopsis for you. Well, I was just about to ask you what happened this week, so Landon, why don't you tell me, and I hope it lines up with the episode I watched. <laughs> this week on Home Improvement, Tim and Brad continue their work on the new hot rod, which oh has been pretty absent uh, yeah. from the show. Thankfully so, because I certainly don't need to rehash uh, season two and three. Um, <laughs> you think it was the hot continue- rod that made him the way he was in those seasons? Something about building a hot rod, it's like... Possibly, possibly, Smeagol in the yes. ring, okay. Uh, Brad and uh, Tim continue their work on the hot rod and have a brief disagreement over the type of engine that they want to install. But this is only the beginning of their problems. Brad decides it's time for a haircut. 
<laughs> something that the entire world can feel right now. Uh, and when Tim suggests that he get something traditional, Brad comes up, uh, comes home with something unorthodox, at least for the 90s. <laughs> Uh, yeah. This le- leads to a blowout argument resulting in their not speaking to one another. Meanwhile, Randy is auditioning for Romeo and Juliet at school, and Jill desperately wants to reclaim her youthful passion for acting by helping him rehearse. Oh. I mean, I don't know why I'm saying, oh, like I'm just hearing that for the first time. That is indeed what happened. And uh, <laughs> uh, with with that knowledge, with that, that bubbling encyclopedic trivia. Yes. Can you guess that title? Uh, you know, I have I have three options, Landon. I have three options for what this this title is. Of this and I have episode. a I have a hint for you. Oh, okay. Should I take it up front? Actually, I should. I'll, I'll burn my I'll burn my guesses. First. Yeah, burn them. First him one. Hair today, gone tomorrow. <laughs> Not that sounds like a Bugs Money episode. I I'm one hundred percent is probably. Um, <laughs> the next one, fathers and follicles. Oh, okay. Which is like if there was like a tabletop role-playing game about arguing with your dad about a haircut, that would be what it would be called. <laughs> I'm just letting you guys know that. And uh, the last one, and this is also repurposed uh, from, I guess, true credit for this, I have to give to Alan, my old boss at an ad agency I worked at six years ago. Uh, this was his nickname for me because he had nicknames for everyone at the company, and we all just loved it. The Hurricane. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, just imagine why. Why has that nickname not come out before? I, that is, I'm going to be so tempted to just do away with our weekly nicknames for each other and just call you Truman the Hurricane Caps every week. You know, if you're not careful, Bob Dylan is going to write a protest song about me and my story. Um, no, just just imagine that a that that nickname being appended to you with no with no you having no say in it and be working in an office where the boss routinely will summon people to his office over an office wide PA system and just be in there trying to write video game trailers, just turn like the hurricane to my office. The, uh, no, the hurricane, the hurricane to my office, please. The hurricane. It's like the worst combination of, of, of being in middle school Fair. and having a job. Yeah. 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 I was going to say in middle school, I had a science teacher who called me, um, he was so caught up with the fact that I have uh, an Italian last name that he he kept what was it? he kept calling me uh man there's there's it's not Guido but there was some sort of term where I'm like was yeah it? even even then I was like I don't a I don't like this and b I don't think this is right for you to be calling me this could it um, have been Gabagool I, no Perhaps? it started with a P <laughs> pa- wait Paisan uh, did he call you Paisan it was 100 percent Paisan <laughs> I mean. I'm not saying I mean, that's it's, okay because it's, it's it, not. It's not you know. It's not a slur. I don't think. But, I mean, it's taken uh, shots at your time. heritage. Like, yeah, yeah. And it was it was boiling me down to one thing, which is just like I don't even really identify with my heritage, uh, <laughs> let alone like. I, I never even think that I'm Italian until somebody calls me Paisan every day of sixth grade. You know, if somebody called me Paisan every day, I wouldn't think about myself being Italian. I'd think that person was Italian. <laughs> This guy was, he was the utmost Irish, I mean, he just, like, flaming red hair. Oh, jeez. Uh, so, so, 
Yeah, whatever. It, it's just it's just one formerly oppressed immigrant class feeling the need to punch <laughs> down at another formerly oppressed immigrant class. Emphasis who, on formerly, because we were both 100% Midwest American. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, I'm saying, like, yeah, oppressed immigrants like 100 years ago who have now just been subsumed into white people generally. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Welcome um, to the club, okay. Italians and uh, Irish. Okay, Before yes. we get uh, too far away from this title thing, I do yes. want to give you... Oh, shit, we're still uh, doing I want to give you a hint. Yeah, I want to okay. give you a hint. Give me a hint. And I'm going to, the hint I'm giving you is actually directly from the IMDb trivia. Oh, okay. This uh, is exciting. So this is your trivia hint. The title is a reference to an old saying from around 1900, and it goes like blank. I can't tell you what it is. Uh, but it goes on to say, this seven note lyric was used at the end of several songs and was featured in several cartoons in the 30s and 40s. Shave and a haircut, two bits. That's the name of uh, the song, but not the name of the episode. So you have you're you're well on your way. Is so just take what is the it, the elements from this episode and plug it into that title. Shave. What's what's the first thing that they argue about? Uh, the hot rod. Okay. Okay. Wait, no. What engine. Specifically? Okay. And engine. then what's the second thing they argue about? Hair. Okay, but specifically, what's about to happen? What's about to happen? Fuck. Like, what is he going to? What about hair? Uh, they're going to cut it. What the... do you call that? Haircut. Okay. And then at the very, very end, uh, the the two bits part. There is Tim and Brad are essentially engaged in two different what's in this episode. Rod and a haircut, two fights. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Did I nail it? Did I miss it? <laughs> you are off by one word and you had the word. You had the word. Engine, Engine and a haircut. And a haircut, two fights. It should have been. It sh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Rod and a haircut makes way more sense because it's on point. Okay. Engine I mean, either way, you were leading me. I don't think there's any any honest way I can get this one with the amount of shepherding it had to be. You were close, though. I was very impressed Engine at how you were able to put it together. Engine well, yeah, the way I was able to put it together was you was you really leading me through it like charades. I was impressed at how much you were able to convey to me like we're playing categories or some shit. Um, Engine okay. and a haircut. Two fights. Engine and a haircut, two fights. It really should have been rod and a haircut because of the number of syllables. I give that a, mil a million <laughs> a million Ds. That's no good. Oh, wow, wow. You you really take this one to task. Now, they listen, made we, gotta go, we gotta go into a thing. Okay. Uh, this episode was directed not by Andy Cadiff, not what? by Peter Boners. What? And not even the return of John Pasquin. We have a brand new director on our hands here. What? I should, I was watching the opening credits and I didn't even think about this. <laughs> This is directed by Andrew Sao, T-S-A-O, and he uh, is mostly a television director. In fact, I would say exclusively a television director, um, but he's worked on uh, shows such as uh, uh, the Jeff Foxworthy show. I don't know if you remember that. Oh, <laughs> that, no. I remember that. <laughs> uh, he directs five episodes of Soul Man, the Dan Aykroyd movie or a TV show. The Soul Man just keeps cropping up, like like the Soul Man Rogues Gallery is in full effect. Seriously, he directed a few short-lived episodes of uh, NBC shows that I loved, but just did not 
find the audience at the time. Uh, the Single Guy, starring Jonathan Silverman, and okay. Caroline in the City, starring um, uh, Leah uh, Thompson from Back oh. to the Future. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he directed one episode of Friends, uh, and most recently in 2008 directed uh, episodes of Wizards of Waverly Place. I oh. can't remember if I told my story about auditioning for that show. You auditioned for Wizards of Waverly Place? I, I almost got cast as the role of uh, the character. Dom DeLuise's son is in that show. Wait. Um, and I was going to play the cousin of him. But didn't you then, didn't someone more famous scoop you for that? Oh, that's right. Yeah, or we did. It, I, I can't even remember who it was at this point. But it was Jonah someone Hill? like, no, no, I don't think he ever appeared on the show. Um. There, yeah, someone did get cast, and I was like, oh my god, I lost out to him? Because I didn't even know that till later. Um, I don't know, I'd have to look it up. Yeah, well, this oh, is... Oh, it was Jeff Garland, it was Jeff Garland. Oh, shit, okay, well, that's not... Or was it, I don't know, he's playing someone named Uncle Kelbo. I don't know. Anyway, uh, it was an interesting... <laughs> interesting experience. I was almost on Wizards of the Waverly Place. Um, <sighs> Man, what a different podcast this would be if if, if you had, if you had landed that role. <laughs> Andrew Sau, so he he's uh, the one that has uh, directing responsibilities this week, and it was also written by John Vandergriff, who is becoming much more of a regular. I, I feel like at this point, he is on par with like Marley Sims and Bruce Ferber and Lloyd Garver. Yeah, yeah, the the famous duo of of Ferber and Garver, um, who have who have <laughs> they do sound like nineteen uh, fifties like mark independent marketing people like oh we got this grand new invention they're taking door to door trying to take the world by storm they sound more like a vaudeville comedy duo or like <laughs> where one of them one of them is a ventriloquist dummy. Uh, <laughs> Or like, or like one of them is like, or, or one of them is like a strong man who can lift anything, and the other one is like the other one, like is will, the thing he's lifting. Is he's, the, it, he's the the woman. He's playing the woman in drag uh, that's being lifted on a bench. Yes, yes, he's play, yeah, and then also he will. He's like, but also a competitive eater, and like people in the audience will bring things like to the show to see if he will eat They're it. Just, the two of them are are a two man circus. I, that's that's why yeah that's why Ferber and Garver were so popular and and then why it's it. amazing that they had this second act in the '90s writing episodes of Home Improvement. <laughs> <laughs> well, this episode of Home Improvement uh, aired on March 12, nineteen ninety six. And sir, how did you feel about this episode? You know, I feel bad that you didn't let me ask you how you felt about this episode first, but um. Honestly, I, I try to I try to write down three personal reflections per episode, and for this yeah. one, I racked my brain, and I could only really come up with two, which I think, in and of itself, is a personal reflection. Um, oh, okay. I feel like, plot-wise, this episode was stronger, in that there was mm-hmm. a full arc for the A plot and the B plot. Like, it, it wasn't mm-hmm. like previous episodes where it's like, wait, there's a, there's a chunk of, like... The, like where we don't get a missing. conclusion to either, either yeah, plot. Yeah, like where either the boys just get halfway into a story and it's forgotten, or where like Tim's story has major pieces of it missing and it like the thing doesn't stand like this is like okay every, everything had a beginning middle and an end so um uh I must give snaps and then um snaps. it's um I didn't find I didn't think this episode was particularly funny. I mean, as usual, there's a couple of of humdinger funny lines in every episode. Mm-hmm. But I, I, you know, I think my biggest note was that it was I liked to see uh, ZTB getting a chance to flex his dramatic chops. I think mm-hmm. he's I think he's a, a fine young actor, and I think that uh, <laughs> I can't wait to see what happens next for him. Um, <laughs> no, but I thought I thought it was good. I liked to see that he got a little more breath, and I guess I I like to see Mark. Um, 
say things and do things for a few seconds. <laughs> Appear. Yes, I, I like. I like Show knowing. His face. I love. I like knowing that Mark is alive. It's good to have proof of life. Um, Listen, I think there's something going on with Mark that I think is more true to real life than people realize. Because in this episode in particular, it dawned on me like when I was Mark's age in 1996, what was I doing? I was locked in the basement playing video games all through the summer. Oh, and I nice. would only emerge to get a juice box Fuck yeah. <laughs> and go back downstairs. So it makes sense that he's only appearing uh, in the kitchen for one line and then disappearing again <laughs> to go play Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that. I guess that's that's part of you know, Home Improvement is very realistic look at the American family. And there's always a kid <laughs> playing Wrestle Jam 89 in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, um what did you think landon what were your th- because I, i've been yeah i've been really relating to these episodes lately there's always been something you know it was jill in the previous episode um and it, it's you know the whole situation with brad and the haircut in this episode that uh it, it just it really is striking um something that i struggle with even to this day particularly the haircut thing i still have arguments with my parents about my haircut <laughs> um especially now that you got a mohawk i and well they don't even know about that you know i oh, wear hats boy. when i facetime with them you're gonna get <laughs> i mean trouble. i'm a 30 it's just it's easier at this point to just go i don't want to i don't want the commentary i don't want you know a b and c it doesn't it's my hair it grows back it doesn't affect them so yeah just put a hat on and just avoid the conversation altogether <laughs> um you know, but Brad is very much like, you know, trying to express himself, as Jill explains in this episode. But what really struck me, and I think we found this um, two weeks ago as well, where real life is intersecting with <laughs> the shows we're watching in unexpected ways, where uh, just like everyone in the world right now, we're all kind of dealing with haircuts and <laughs> uh, the lack of them or the experiment with them. <laughs> and... Uh, found myself in a situation very similar to Brad in this episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, outside of my parents, where I just thought, you know what? I literally am seeing nobody but myself for the last two months. Uh, and if I do have to take a FaceTime or a Zoom call with video, you know, I could put a hat on or I could do something. Um, but why not just take this opportunity to really explore? I, You know, I think I made a joke a couple weeks ago about, uh, how soon is it going to be before we all have Mad Max haircuts? Yeah. And, uh, and for you, so it wasn't I, very long. No, it was the, at the end of that episode. I'm like, it's today long. That's how long <laughs> it is. I'm going to go cut my hair into a Mad Max haircut. And so I gave myself a mohawk, and I had this really long beard going that I uh, recently trimmed. I'm like, you know what? My hair is not enough. I want to explore with my facial hair, too. What are some things I've never done? You know, like, I, listen, I'm not condoning it, but I'm not going to lie. Any man who's ever had facial hair has thought, what do I look like with a Hitler mustache? <laughs> I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying that I've done it. But I'm saying if you're ever going to do it, now is the time. If you're living alone, at least. You know, look, I I, I don't, I wouldn't say I have wondered that because at an early age, I saw a an image online of Hitler photoshopped to have his mustache removed. And I remember thinking, damn, Hitler, you could have really been a good looking <laughs> anti-Semitic dictator without that, without that Hitler stash. So like, I feel like my eyes have been opened to the, to the, all the drawbacks of the Hitler stash. Even if it I wasn't see, associated see. with Hitler, it just makes your face look bad. Uh, Chaplin, Michael Jordan. I mean, we're talking Wait. about the greats here. Okay, okay. Fair, fair. Well, you know, Chat. Yeah, I guess Chaplin gets a pass, doesn't he? Well, yeah. I mean, Hitler stole it from Chaplin, so sure. Um, 
But uh, I have to I have to admit something right now. Yeah, uh, I I would be embarrassed to go out in public with the way I currently look. <laughs> but it's it's all for myself. Like, okay, you you're a video game player, and I, I assume that a lot of our listeners are as well. What I, hope I so. look like what I look like right now. I'm gonna paint you word pictures. Okay, <laughs> uh, you know, at the beginning of a video game when you can create your own character. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> And you're like, you know, in my everyday life, I have to have a kind of normal uh, haircut, social norms. I'm going to create the character that I want to be. Uh, I, I, Right now, I look like a make-your-own-video-game character that you think looks cool. Yeah. But then the second you see the first cutscene with your character, you're like, oh, okay, there's a reason why there are game designers and character <laughs> developers. Uh, because now I have to watch this entire 100-hour video game looking at a guy with a really bad Spanish mustache and a <laughs> mohawk. <laughs> or, well, either that or you just, and then in the first shop you buy a helmet, your character puts on the helmet, you wear that for the rest of the game and never see his face again. That That is a, that is a Skyrim moment. There you go. Yeah. Um, so that's that's currently what I look like, um, <laughs> which really brought me into the the, the nuance of this episode. Well, that's good. That's that's yeah. I mean, certainly I um I guess that should have been one of my personal reflections too. That just as someone who's who someone who's currently wearing one of his girlfriend's pink sweatbands to keep his massive amount of hair up and out of his. Oh, you hit that point. Oh, I've hit. That point, Landon. I've I've <laughs> hit it hard, and I've been there for a while. Um, as, as someone who used to have long hair, I I I know the um, the hair beretta that uh, the headband. I know that move very well. I don't like having to do this move. I don't want to be a long hair person, but I also don't want to be a buzz cut person. Um, but yeah, this episode really um, just just the fact that at the beginning of it, Brad is talking about like, oh, I got to get a haircut. Oh, no, I want my hair to be long. I'm just sitting there like, you piece of shit. Fuck you. <laughs> you don't know I, the, 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 the what? Oh God, oh, my God. My, it's already hot in here and I'm losing sense of my mind already. No, it's it's great, Landon. It's actually really hot where I'm recording, too. So for once, uh, you know, just like old times, we're both going to go crazy at roughly the same rate. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, no, it, it it definitely, I feel like this is just some kind of Twilight Zone style punishment for every time as a kid. I was like, I don't want to get a haircut, mom. Like, now it's like, you know, I feel my mom looking over my shoulder being like, well, Truman, don't you see now? It would have been smart to not fight me in 1997. This is the end of uh, the Burgess Meredith episode where he just wants time to read and then his glasses break. I had all the hair in the world. <laughs> How how close to the peanut butter solution do you look right now? <laughs> uh closer closer than I'd like to be. Okay, all right. Um wow. Well, do you have any other personal I so I don't know that I actually said anything about this, but I actually kind of liked this episode quite a bit. Oh, okay. Um yeah, I I did uh I think it was cuz I had a, a personal end to it, but um I don't know. I just I I think that maybe it was because we actually do have some closure to our, our stories that there is not a lot of stakes on the line, which is, no. uh, which is nice, you know, to have a little break, but not to water those down with Tim's kind of boorishness. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It just felt like a, a, the first firing on all cylinders episode we've had in a while. It, it certainly was nice for them to like, yeah, Tim and Brad are fighting, but also the fights aren't like, serious realness and like sad guitar right. chord level it's just like no people laugh at the end of them like clearly there's conflict here but it's not like it's not very special yeah well 
prep yourself for next week. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> Better prep myself before I rep myself. Exactly. Uh, do you have any other thoughts before we go into the, the deep dive of this episode? My thought is that we should go into the deep dive of this episode. That's well, my, before that's my we do that, thought. I think we should thank a few people. Would you not honor my thoughts, but at the same time, okay. You know what? Let, let's... let's <laughs> Yeah, you know, I because I want to thank some people too. So, yeah. so should I, is now a good time for me to do that? Uh, wait five seconds and then do it. Okay. Four, three. Oh, I, I forgot you can't see me. I oh, did your television silent two and one, and then I pointed it at you. Shit, I went to journalism school. I should have known you were doing that. I'm sorry. But the good news is we left a lot of dead air, which people are gonna love. People are gonna I think their it. their podcast machine broke. Uh, I want to thank. <laughs> I want to thank guys. I want to thank Kirsty. Uh, truly and sincerely. I want to make very clear that I am thanking her because she is putting up with a lot. I will sometimes walk into the room that she is working in and she's listening to a podcast and I will <laughs> want to say something to her and she will pause what she's listening to and say, I was just listening to you and I have to pause you so I can talk to you. And so, <laughs> what kind of inception level torture is that? <laughs> I, it's, 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 you know, you've heard of the Chinese water torture. This is the Chinese Truman torture. Um, <laughs> So, I want to thank her. I don't have funny personal stories for the other four. I'm sorry. But, uh, Tara, thank you so much for thank you. the work you do and your support of our show. Uh, Jahan, thank you for supporting our show. Uh, if I, think, I I think we've done that guy enough damage with his name at this point. We could just call him John. Okay. Uh, you know, all right. I just want him to know who, who – I just want him to know who I'm thanking. Okay, but John – Thank you for this show. Also, if ever uh, if ever I do meet you in person, I will make sure that you are not listening to our podcast when I'm trying to talk to you because I don't want to subject you to that. Uh, John, uh, thank you, and yes. um, I, I, I will I will do the same. I mean, again, if we ever run into each other, I will make sure there are no earbuds in in, in your head. Uh, and lastly, Tom, when you just gonna walk up to him and tear out the earphones in his head? Like, well, no, his choice. I, no, no, no. I'm I gonna, think you I'm, have more control over crossing his path than you do tearing the headphones out of his ears. Yeah, I think I think you misunderstand, Landon. I'm not going to tear the earbuds out. I'm just if I see him, I'm going to follow him for as long as it takes for him to take out his earbuds of his own volition, <laughs> and then. You know, uh, spring out and start saying whatever dumb shit I say all the time. John, I do okay. this for you. This is as long I, as you're not abusing him by ripping the headphones out. That's fine. No, 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 no. I'm just abusing him by stalking him. That's a completely different perfect, type of perfect. abuse. Again, yeah. John, this for you. This is what I will do. Uh, <laughs> and lastly, Tom, uh, thank you so much for your support of our show. Uh, you know, and if if I ever see you with your earbuds in, I I will just go up and start talking to you because I know that you can take it. I know you can take a double dose of Truman. I know you can take Truman on the podcast and Truman <laughs> in real life can't. at the same time. <laughs> not because and now you're pitting our our listeners against each other. No, I'm not even saying it like anybody's weaker or stronger. I'm just saying <laughs> different people have different abilities, and I think that I think you know Tom, based on the fact that you're supporting us in and you know, I don't know. I just get this vibe from you that you can handle it, that you actually want that much Truman. <laughs> if you don't, let me know, and I'll and I'll do the same stalking you until you take out your earbuds thing. All right. Guys, it's we've, we've, 86, we've 87 degrees in my room right now, and stuffy as the dickens. And we, we've hit a realm where I find this too funny to actually comment uh, <clears throat> humorously on it. So um, do not just amuse myself. Let's move on with the episode so we can amuse others. Uh, Landon, rest assured, there are no humorous comments being made anywhere in this episode. <laughs> Uh, okay, yeah, let's let's just look. Let's just get down. Let's get down to it, Landon, because yeah, because it's Green Week on Tool Time. It certainly is. Nature uh, is healing. And uh, the Adobe it's, has returned it's to Tool appropriate because we just had Earth Day around here. 
Yeah, we did around, around here on this world, around, on this globe that we have, around these parts, on this globe that we have for the for the time being that we might all <laughs> be living on next year, maybe. Um, yeah, so it's uh, it's Green Week, and uh, I, I'm gonna be honest, I was so impressed that it was Green Week, I didn't even pay close attention to what the Grunt Creep was doing. I know he was there. I don't even know that I saw the Grunt Creep. Oh, the Grunt Creep was there. He was like dancing around or doing some dumb shit. I don't know. It's hot out today. I'm gonna pull this open and and find this uh, right away. Oop, this. Oh, okay. Well, nice. And just, can you and hear just, that in the background? Yeah, I, I can actually. I get a little, little, little more of that licensed oh, audio dancing. on our podcast. <laughs> yeah, he's just dancing. You can wait. Hold on. Jesus Christ! I'm Got using my wow old home, computer, and I wish I hadn't done this because I can't stop it now. Home, home improvement is actually making its first ever appearance as audio on our podcast. This is terrible. <laughs> You're gonna uh, have to edit all this out. Okay, mm-hmm, I've got it. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yeah, okay, he's dan- so. Yeah, he's like dancing right on the tool time counter, right? He, yeah. he crushes a can and then walks off with it because he's yeah. going to go recycle. Uh, he's going to go recycle or he's just doing a Coyote Ugly thing where he dances on the on the table. <laughs> coyote Ugly would be uh, so much better if they all went and recycled their bottles afterward. Or if they were all uh, the logos of a bunch of different 90s sitcoms. You know, you've got the Friends logo <laughs> dancing. You've got the Grunt Creep. Have you got the Frasier logo dancing? Yes, you do. He's dancing to, like, jazz soft shoe stuff. Uh, and yes, the Frasier logo is a he. Thank you very much. It's a co-ed strip club at the Coyote Ugly for sitcom intro titles. Oh, oh, wow, great. But they're, yeah, they're talking about how to make a house out of recycled materials, and um, the, and <clears throat> this kind of segues into them using tires and aluminum cans to build walls. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and what, what have... they're, I have to say, what they're demonstrating with, this, like, kind of mud wall made half out of old tires and cans, looks exactly like something that I would take cover behind in a Fallout game. That's all I have to say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I was looking at this, and when they first introduced this segment, I was a little like, what kind of, I, I don't even want to throw at a specific region, but there are certain areas where you might expect to see something like this. I'm not going to name any by, by name, but I'm like, who would Chatsworth. actually want- It's Chatsworth, California, guys. Everybody <laughs> up in Chatsworth is making walls out of tires. This joke is only funny to me and Landon and maybe the three other listeners we have in the L.A. area, so enjoy it, nerds. Uh, who would want a wall made? So this is my initial thought. Who would want a wall made out of tires and aluminum cans? No one would want to look at that, you know? Um, yeah. And then they they then move on to uh, applying Adobe to it to, you know, obviously give it a wall appearance, which I'm like, oh, actually, in that case, I might actually uh, be interested in this. Yeah, I, I was th- I was thinking the same, like, yeah, just because we're using recycled materials doesn't mean I want my house to look like garbage. But yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I suppose if you if you've got it slathered up in enough uh, in enough kind of authentic uh, spackling material, is that what Adobe is for spackling or just covering? I don't know. I could I could see it looking good, but I would also never yeah. f- I'd never fully trust the structural integrity of my walls, knowing that that like if an earthquake hits that I'm just relying on old rubber and some crushed diet Coke cans to keep the roof from falling in on me. <laughs> hey, it works for Ed Begley Jr. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. So, and then, and then we get a nice little, uh, text on screen prank where, oh, uh, God. you know, yeah. Al has this big wheelbarrow full of Adobe and is, uh, and you know, they're, Tim is using a trowel to spread it onto the onto the tire wall, but then Al is talking about the joy of using your bare hands, and what we get at the bottom of the screen is, what Al doesn't know is that Tim has replaced, uh, or has added dung to the adobe, or manure to the adobe. 
<laughs> and he starts applying it to the the tires and the aluminum cans. Um, and then the text crawl changes and says, "What Tim doesn't know is that Al replaced the Adobe with actual <laughs> replaced the dung with actual Adobe." Yeah, um, and. and- He's like, I just like to get in there with your hands, and he starts putting it on the wall. He's like, and little do people know that it actually uh, Adobe can be a very nice face mask as well. And and Tim goes, oh yeah, Al, why don't you why don't you demonstrate that for us? And uh, so Al, in, a, in an act of defiance, <laughs> one of the first times on Home Improvement, Al breaks his uh, breaks his station in life. <laughs> he and takes a handful of this muck. <laughs> and just slathers it right into Tim's face and into his mouth, in fact. I would uh, say mostly into his mouth over his face. It was just like, here, eat this. <laughs> remember uh, remember on Game of Thrones when back when when most people could reasonably assume Daenerys was one of the good guys and she uh, does that whole thing about I shall I shall face injustice with justice, whatever. And like everyone's oh like, God, you make her sound like a three amigo. I, well, yeah, basically. And then she like, wherever there's th- injustice, I will be there. She, she puts her hands on her hips and you know and thrusts yeah 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 little you know little Nettie goes to war etc uh but no she says all that and everyone's like yas queen this was kind of my yas queen for al moment him making tim think he's literally eating shit on live television uh it, was, it would have only been trumped by him actually eating shit on live television <laughs> Yeah, what I really would have loved is just, like, what what Tim doesn't know is that Al knows that there's dung in this stuff and has a twist up his sleeve. <laughs> because, honestly, I mean, the fact that Al switched it back out really has no bearing on what happens here. Yeah. I mean, he could have just had because he was prepared to have Al eat shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, actually, yeah. You know what? I suddenly like this cold open less because I think it would have worked just as well if it was, like, because this, this is, like, Al has pranked Tim, but it's almost... <laughs> Well, I mean, I guess I like giving Al the agency in it, but I almost would have preferred it yeah. if it was Tim's best laid plans blowing up in his face. Like every plan he does. Uh, yes, true. Well, normally Tim's best laid plans blow up in Al and Jill's face, and Tim kind of gets to skate by <laughs> with minor injuries. Well, I think the the glaring oversight we're making is that uh, the word plan in there. <laughs> Tim never yeah. has one. So yeah, no. there are no best laid plans. It's just best laid improvisations to give things more power. Yes, just like the dad in Parasite says, the best plan is no plan. Uh, <laughs> and we, we move on. A, we get an uh, Adobe transition, a bunch of clay uh, gets smeared on the screen and then smoothed out to the clay theme song. Again. Yep. Um, the theme song where we uh, we made coffee and didn't watch it, so I don't have <laughs> notes. I was watching it, and uh, the only thing that I noticed is that it, when Tim has climbed up on top of the house at the very beginning of it and then is yep. starting to fall over, there's, like, one brief shot where I kind of wanted to pause it but didn't, where, like, Tim is leaning halfway back over and has yeah. just this kind of, whoa, look on his face. It's kind of mm-hmm. funny. <laughs> That's it. What, what makes it funny? Because you are anticipating a, a nice pratfall that never happens. Instead, you get uh, tweety hands. Yeah, you get Tweety Hand. Yeah, and, and also just like the, I think as with everything in this opening titles, it's just kind of fun for me to think about them shooting this and like, okay, Tim, you're falling off the house now. Give us one of those. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, I, I still, I want to see the 
the massive shots, the raw footage of those. I think that it, would just be the funniest thing in the world. You know, they've said that somewhere out there there is the master shot for, uh, or the master film for uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, where it's just like they don't have the animation in, but it's just people holding right. up like eyeline things for you know the you know they're holding uh-huh. up a ruler with Roger Rabbit's like face on top of it so Bob Hoskins knows what to look at like I w- oh my god can you picture that that shot of Bob Hoskins getting a kiss by Roger Rabbit without <laughs> Roger Rabbit in it I can't imagine it which is why I want to find that cut and do a double feature of that and the uh, opening credits to Home Improvement without any of the edits Perfect. oh uh, my god we so go then, from uh, the theme song to the garage, where yes. Tim comes home as Brad is working on the hot rod. Yeah, which already throws a curveball to our theory that Mark has been working on the hot rod this whole time. Oh, yeah, but Mark Mark is secretly working on it in this episode, too. I think that he's yeah, he working does. on it without even Brad knowing. I think he is really, like, you know, Brad is, is stepping in the shadow of Tim. He's making all of Tim's mistakes, and that might mean that he's also making the same kind of egregious mistakes that Tim is making. And Brad or Mark is like, my God, I have to not only fix the problems of one person, but now I have to fix the problems of two. And and Mark is like, I've got to divide my time between fixing all these problems and being in the basement beating battle toads, which is impossible. <laughs> I've barely got time it to is. drink my juice boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we we can't get into how hard Battletoads is. No, I've, we cannot. Tr- that's not even that. A, that's a meme from like ten years ago, and B, it's just too <laughs> real, and I've wasted too much time on that game. Likewise, um, even with Game Genie. <laughs> uh, so. Yeah, so they are, uh, they, and so this kind of argument or or good-hearted dispute, at least initially, has broken out between Tim and Brad because uh, Brad because Brad Brad is working on cleaning up the engine that Tim has decided he's not even going to use, and yeah. Brad's like, "But why? This is the perfect, uh, you know, flathead." I think is the term. I, yeah, you'd think at this point after five seasons, I'd pick up some terminology. No, I wouldn't uh, think nope. that. I would not have not thought at that at all. We're not in. <laughs> perfect. We have no you interest give me more in this. Credit than I do. <laughs> It's not gonna. It's not gonna stick to anything. Not, there's no way we're gonna learn anything from this show. Uh, but Brad, Brad wants to use the engine that came with the hot rod, and Tim's like, "No." Uh, I wrote this quote down: "Putting an engine in the hot rod is the most dis- important decision a man can make." And Brad's like, "Even, um, even more than deciding to get married." And Tim, you know, kind of hymns and haws over this, <laughs> uh, which leads to them quibbling over the type of engine that they want to put in. Brad, uh, Tim has this idea of going to get a oh oh yeah yeah i heard that yeah yeah no i totally know what you mean yeah it was Uh great you you got the i i think the recording messed up there and it sounded like you just coughing and mumbling a lot but yeah you definitely said the real name of the engine he wants to put in (laughs) uh not even not even well uh i didn't even pull off the joke well um and brad's like no 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 this is the one we're gonna use this because you're gonna you're gonna mess it up otherwise yeah, t- you know, Brad Brad is arguing for putting a less powerful engine in there. He says power isn't everything, and Tim goes, bite your tongue, Brad. <laughs> um, but yeah, they, um, so, but there, anyways, there's this plan then being hatched to like, oh, well, let's go down to the hot rod store to pick up whatever new thing, or like, look at the engines there. The yeah. hot, also, let's take a moment. I just called it the hot rod store and just blazed on ahead. <laughs> Like, that's the thing. Also, stop and recognize that that didn't even enter in my head as something to contest. (laughs) Because we all know that the actual name of the Hot Rod store is Hot Rods, (laughs) etc. Or if you're in the South, 
uh, Roddy Lobby. Uh, <laughs> Rods are us. Um, <laughs> no, that's a that Landon. That's a different store. You don't go. That's that's a that's a bar by the airport. <laughs> Uh, but Brad can't go because he is on his way to go get a haircut. Yes, and he is, uh, and, you know, he's not exactly jazzed about this. Mom has been writing him hard to get one, and by mom I mean Jill and not my mom. That would be ridiculous. But, uh, he is, um, and Tim is saying, like, oh, for a second I thought the walls of fiction fell and your mom had some sort of effect on this show from 1996. You know, my mom apparently kind of watched Home Improvement at the time. She and her sister, really? I guess, they sort of liked the show. I was talking to her recently, and she was like, I, you know, there was, I remember there was one episode, or there was, no, she didn't even say it in terms of, there was one joke on Home Improvement where <laughs> the boys made some joke about Tim and Jill having somersault contests, and it's actually him overhearing them have sex, and I was just like, oh yeah, mom, we talked about that two seasons ago. Yes, that was, <laughs> and then mom just had this one kind of memory about a funny bit on the show, and then I kind of ruined it by talking to her for like six and a half minutes about how the entire scene played out. The show is jeopardizing my relationships with my family. <laughs> as, but, as a family sitcom is meant to do. <laughs> yeah, it either, it either gives you negative impressions about what a family is supposed to operate like or um, or, or it does this. Um, but yeah, so uh, Tim has given him shit about the haircut. His hair is too long and Tim is saying, oh, you're going to get a haircut. Maybe have them actually touch your touch the, the scissors to your head for once. And, and okay, and, yeah. and Brad responds saying, "I well, last time they did, they took out a quarter inch." And Tim's like, "Well, I have longer hair than that in my nose." Um, <laughs> Good but line. point of order: Brad's hair at the beginning of this episode is remarkably shorter than it's been in years. I, you know what? I guess I, as soon as I saw it. As soon as I knew that he was going to get a haircut, my quarantine brain was just like, oh, man, it's going to feel so nice to have all that long hair cut off. So, like, in my head, I just filled in that it's actually not shorter. Is it, in fact, shorter? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Absolutely. I mean, hell, last season, all three of the boys had these, like, shoulder-length, flowing Farrah Fawcett hairs. <laughs> and now we have, you know, his hair is at least more conformed to his head. I mean, if you looked at them from behind, you would be able to identify each of the boys. Uh <laughs> It's certainly not as long as it has been, so um, I think Tim's qualms immediately out the gate are a little uh, over-exaggerated. <laughs> so Tim doesn't have a leg to stand on, is what you're saying. <laughs> he never has a leg to stand on. Usually because he's injured one of them. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so he yeah he tells Brad his hair is too long and is just telling him it's not a, you know, why don't you get a haircut that looks good for one, something like that. Why don't that. you get a traditional haircut? There you go. And, uh, and then Brad shoots back at Tim's haircut and says uh says that oh yeah your yeah your hair haircut looked really cool back when people still listened to those round black things that made music and, <laughs> and then Q Mark to come in with his one line uh, saying oh yeah you know we heard about those uh the record players right we learned about those in history class <laughs> i want to know what history class is mark taking He's, he's taking uh, he's taking the standard middle st- school class uh, intro to about twenty years ago history you know just intro you know about twenty years ago one oh one just shit that was going on you know when the teacher was like in college <laughs> right yeah I mean I was trying to think back to what my history class was teaching at this time a I just I mean it's a futile effort because I was not paying attention in any of my classes in nineteen ninety six hell yeah uh, but it was certainly like. Um, I guess this 96 would have been a little bit before this, but uh, 
we watched Schindler's List in one of my history <laughs> history classes. Oh man! So I'm the like, teacher was hung much... over that day. <laughs> uh, I don't think so. I, I mean, he was he was a, a, a for, or, yeah former vet uh, from Vietnam, so he oh, was wow. very much into let me show you the horrors of war. <laughs> so you mean you mean he he used to be a veterinarian in in Saigon or yep exactly okay okay perfect all well, of those uh, unintended injured horses. <laughs> I should have shown you Warhorse then. I mean, really. <laughs> uh, yeah. So good on Mark. And if if Mark was just making a joke, then good on Mark too. No matter what, Mark is coming out looking good in this uh, this scene. It, it seems like these days Mark's only role on the show is for a brief injection of sass, and then he just disappears love again. It. Yeah, I love it. I, I mean, I listeners will acknowledge I've been a Mark champion. Since the beginning. Yes. And I think we're seeing a new evolution of his character, and I love it all the more. He's, uh, like like any good Pokemon, he's approaching his final form, you know? <laughs> I think that's how Pokemon works. I have not played it. Um, um, yeah. We get a record transition uh, to the next scene, which mm-hmm. is uh, the dining room. And we transition from the from the room to the same room, but a different camera angle in the room. Uh, and it's a record. Wait, what? <laughs> what the fuck just happened? Oh, I see. We're going from the record transition to yeah. the same location. Yes. Just, yeah, slightly yeah. from the, the kitchen er- area to the dining room area. Yeah. And I should also point out that this is a rare transition that makes a noise. Well, actually, I guess a lot of transitions make noise. But it's like it's like a jukebox record player swapping out one. You know, the arm comes down, swaps out the record, puts in another one. But you actually hear the record scratching. And it's, uh, it's kind of cool. I want to... I miss... I miss jukeboxes, man. I want to... That's that's on my bucket list. I want to go into <laughs> some sort of like southwestern bar and walk in silently, walk over to the jukebox, put a quarter in and choose a, a song and then sit down at the bar and order just like a shot of whiskey. <laughs> uh, but that song is the hamster dance song. Just totally, <laughs> totally ruins the aesthetic. When when I was a kid. Because the jukeboxes that I was interacting with were primarily at there's really one at this like 50s themed diner in my in my uh, crappy 50 themed 50s themed diner in my crappy hometown. But uh, there were all of these like little pipes. It was all totally bedazzled. All these little pipes around the edges that like liquid like bubbles and liquid were flowing through and it was lit from the back like green and purple and gold and all that. Are you confusing this with the liquid technology on Mystery Science Theater 3000? You know, I'm not saying that this was not an early version of King of Chrome. Maybe the music was trapped in the bubbles and the, I don't know. I mean, I don't okay. understand how music works. But yeah. it like, but it it had all this like fluid with bubbles going through it in these little tubes around the edges. Purely de- decorative. But as a, as a young lad, I thought that it, I thought that it wasn't jukebox. I thought it was juice box. And I thought it referred to, I thought that stuff, that liquid yeah. was the juice. Oh my God. I would have been enamored with that. At what with calling it that, or just with with seeing a jukebox? With every, like that. every aspect of what you just described. As a I, kid, I would have been like, "Yeah, I don't care about my chicken nuggets. I just want to stare at this thing while you guys eat your food and argue." <laughs> I definitely spent a lot of time. Like, I de- there were multiple times where I'd be like, "Can I have permission to go look at the jukebox?" Um, <laughs> the, also, the, uh, which I think makes it worse, though, based on the crappiness of this '50s diner. Like, the the jukebox casing was beautiful. I am fairly certain that it didn't it wasn't actually a record player but just had like a cassette tape 
player in there, oh, like hidden that's, inside that's you can see. Because you could you could like flip the menu of songs, but I don't think you actually you didn't see like a record go onto it. So I think that they bought oh. this thing in the late eighties and it was just, you know, there's a bunch Got of eight it. tracks in there or whatever the fuck people listen to. <laughs> there's a um, bunch of small small musicians inside who are just really good cover artists. Man, we are uh, we're in rare form. If a transition can put us on a tangent like that, we have to we have to stay on task here. You know, um, there's a there's a perfect temperature to get to where we're just on track enough to not be crazy, but just loopy enough to still record a two hour long episode about a thirty minute show. Oh my um, god. We're in the dining room. Randy is coming home from school after an audition, and Jill is studying. Uh, he has made the final auditions for the lead role in Romeo and Juliet. Yes, it's down to him and two other boys, and Jill is uh, very, very excited because, uh, you know, she's like, oh, you come from a theatrical family, and Randy says that he doesn't think tool time really counts as theater, but she points out that, no, she was actually the best Juliet ever in the history of her, um, the theater program at her girls' school, Mm -hmm. and then then she also says, the best Othello, (laughs) which is a a solid joke. Also, just... Don't run for governor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and if if anyone asks you, can you still moonwalk? It's still a, it, it's it's a trick. Don't do it. Don't, <laughs> don't walk into that one. I shouldn't um, laugh at that. I should not laugh at that. No, no, we can laugh. We can laugh now. It's fine. Um, but but that, so so it's it's a solid joke, and I feel like. I don't, I'm not going to ding the show for then pointing an arrow at it and and Randy saying, "Wow, you must have made a great black man." Uh, what <laughs> I what I instead appreciate is that Randy is so smart and so cultured that he kind of knows the finer points of Shakespeare's um, yeah. like more advanced plays shit that he's not like he's an advanced science class. He's not in an advanced literature class. He <laughs> he has no way of knowing about Othello. The Tim yeah. Blake Nelson directed O adaptation of Othello has not yet come out. Like there's no And I don't like, I think uh the only I I shouldn't say the only, but um the most famous one to that point was I think Orson Welles's Othello, which was not hadn't been restored yet. So I don't even think the Lawrence Olivier, I don't think Olivier ever did Othello. Maybe he did. <laughs> I don't know, but I, what I am saying is he's he knows the actual text. He hadn't gone out and rented the movie. Maybe Brad isn't. Not sorry. Oh God, dollar and jar. Maybe Randy isn't a serial <laughs> dollar in the killer. Venmo. We don't have a share jar right now. <laughs> you know, and the reason I said Brad is because I was going to say the Bard and Bard and Brad <laughs> to have all the same letters in them. And also, the joke I was going to make is maybe Randy is secretly Shakespeare, but maybe Brad is secretly Shakespeare because it's the least his person name. you expect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, really. What's Mark been doing this whole time? He's not working on the hot rod, baby. He's writing a folio. He's writing the first folio. <laughs> Perfect. He's in, the, he's in there banging out King Lear. Um, <laughs> but you know what? There are other, uh, besides Shakespeare, there are other people who have written such grandiose works that they really need our attention. Yes. And one of those works of art is called Totally JTT. Oh, you know, I think actually, I think I learned about this in one of my advanced comparative literature uh, classes in college. Uh, it was a, uh, you know, we had to meet five days a week because it was such a dense text. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so uh, take your your Zoom keys, your Zoom links, and your Zoom uh, authentication pins, and all and the movie Zoom in <laughs> as we, uh, starring Tim Allen, um, yeah. 
as we all enter uh, this week's Zoom session of Totally JTT, uh, I'm sorry, JTT Junction, where we're reading Totally JTT by Michael Ann Johns. Yep, yep. You know, and uh, and I think that's all the backstory we need to give people. I think that they are uh, they are properly caught up to speed, so we can just tra- sm- I, seamlessly transition into this week's uh, uh, st- st- you know clip. I completely agree with you. So if you're following along, we're on page oh, thirty-five. Okay. All right, <laughs> page thirty-five, huh? It, uh, I, you know, I think the real reason that I object to this it's it has nothing to do with flow or, or anything like that. It's more uh-huh. just like I hate being reminded of the fact that we are only thirty-five pages into this book we've been reading for A what whole I think. For the whole season, yeah, and th- this season has lasted six or seven years, so we've really been crawling <laughs> through this 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 book. Oh, okay, yeah. So what? Yeah. So page so, thirty five. Great. Page thirty five. Um, do you remember what happened last week? <sighs> what happened last week? I'm I'm honestly I'm sorry. It gets harder and harder to remember because it does. there's just so much we, stuff going on. We got a little background information on Taryn Noah Smith, and yes. uh, it was really about the three boys uh, being cast on the show and forming a bond with one another. Almost as though they were three amigos. <laughs> Almost. Almost. Uh, and we we weren't sure if Home Improvement was going to last beyond the first seven episodes that they were contracted. Right. Right. Yes, that cliffhanger. Well, let's find out. Yeah. Does Home Improvement last? <laughs> Does anyone ever well, make a podcast about it? Let's find out. Uh, do you, how, how, I can't even imagine, comprehend what my reaction would be if at the end of this book, <laughs> somehow we found our way into it. She started talking about the fandom beyond the scope of home improvement. <laughs> the, you, like, you get to the bit where you're reading onto the podcast about us making the show and you're totally freaking out and losing your shit and we just pan away from you and then Rod Serling in a suit walks out of your bathroom and goes like, presented the story of a man on a podcast who discovers that his cast has been potted for many years before. (laughs) Subscribe to the RSS feed for The Twilight Zone. It would explain a lot, I'm not gonna lie. Um, Okay, so we weren't sure if Home Improvement was gonna last. Let's pick it up from there. Yes. Uh, It goes a little uh something like this um okay wasn't sure if it would succeed or fail uh would find it funny enough to keep on the air all this uncertainty is in jonathan's mind and with that we go uh knowing all of that jonathan and his family decided to move in the end it had less to do with jonathan's career than with the family dynamic uh, or the family's domestic situation which mm-hmm. had gone through some tough times Oh, no. In 1990, Jonathan's parents had separated, and by 91, they were divorced. Oh, shit. I didn't know this. This is taking a sad turn. And I'm exerting uh, a bunch of stuff here because I don't... A, I can't verify whether or not it's true, and I don't want to speak to somebody's family life if it's not. So, um... If you're following along, I'm jumping down the page, okay, and you can, read some, <laughs> you can read some of the other details about the, his personal situation. Um... Okay, so, Jonathan had already established himself in the industry and was happy. Even if home improvement didn't work out, by now it was clear that Jonathan had something very special to offer the entertainment industry. Damn if he right. wanted to, he'd always be working. I don't think that's a guarantee that Ooh, anybody could say. That line didn't age great. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, he's not working, or at least he wasn't. He jumped out on his own accord to go yeah, finish okay. school. Okay, you're right. So maybe it's just that he didn't want to work. You're, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, so even, uh, blah, 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 Claudine, again, that's his mother, uh, was thinking about putting her own career on hold to manage Jonathan's. If the show was a hit, she'd have, uh, she'd have to. 
Who else was going to accompany him during his 10-hour workday and look out for his welfare? And at that point when I was reading this earlier, I had to remind myself, oh, right, this isn't even JTT that we're reading about or that we're watching week to week. This is even younger JTT. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, we're talking like a seven-year-old here. So, yeah, yeah, shit. Uh, Anyway, uh, and they had every expectation that Joel, that's JTT's brother, um, while never interested in showbiz, would also settle um, into a new life in Southern California. I I hope so. I mean, that's a that's a ballsy move to make, like just gambling (laughs) it all and relocating the family by hundreds of miles. Uh, Yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, excerpt, excerpt. Uh, They were lucky enough to uh, find a beautiful house that suited their needs perfectly on a wide tree-lined street. uh, Something that I excerpted was that it's in uh, San Fernando Valley, so uh, (gasps) might be right down the street from you. Did they say (laughs) what neighborhood it was in? Uh, They don't. Um, But it is a wide uh, tree-lined street with a split-level, um, uh, and it, the house was a split-level with a fireplace in the living room and a swimming pool in the back. Do you know any houses like that? Okay, yeah, no, that narrows it down to just every single house in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> God, do they Perfect. mention that it has popcorn ceilings? Because that'll also narrow it down to every house. <laughs> oh, man. Each a lot boy of had his L.A. Own... architecture jokes, guys. <laughs> Keep tuning in. Each boy had his own bedroom, and Jonathan oh. got to work immediately decorating his. He put up shelves and lined them with his growing baseball card and soccer trophy collections, plus souvenirs from his fishing expeditions, including a stuffed yellowtail uh, he'd caught on his vacation in San Diego. He taped posters to the walls. Uh, Some depicted calm aquatic scenes. Other were action shots of his favorite sports heroes. Wow. Okay. Uh, The most important aspect of Jonathan, honestly, kind of looks like it sounds like Brad's bedroom in this episode, uh, which we'll get to in a little bit here. But well, well, it also it also kind of reminds me of back when Brad and Randy were sharing a bedroom, how it had all of the weird, uh, weird shelves and like uh, captain's beds and stuff. And that's kind of more what I'm thinking of. (laughs) Talk about a split level. Um, (laughs) Is there is there weird mask in his room by any chance? (laughs) They left out that uh, that aspect. Um The most important aspect of Jonathan's new life was that it was never to be uh, too one-sided. Quote, when I got into this business, Jonathan tells, my mom was worried that I wouldn't have enough time, uh, free time to be a kid. So there's always a balance between work and play. Jonathan honestly feels that showbiz kids who don't have a balanced life are the (laughs) ones who get into trouble down the road. Um, just, just a quick, uh, hey, we're just going to drop into uh, Steely Dan Corner for all you Dan heads. Oh, oh, wow. Corner Uh, in a corner. Showbiz Kids is the name of a pretty good Steely Dan song. Okay, so that's oh. been Steely Dan Corner. Uh, let's hey. get back to JTT Junction. Thanks for the reference. Um, <laughs> yeah, made in the most obtrusive way possible, but go on. <laughs> uh, as uh, he told a newspaper journalist, you have these kid actors who grew up and eventually go on Gerald- or Her- Geraldo, good lord, uh, crying that Wait. they never had any time. Yeah, or or they or you know they they go and they hide in Al Capone's vault and then they wind up on Geraldo <laughs> without even meaning to be there, uh, crying that they never had any time and that they were totally corrupted by this business. Probably most of them didn't have much to fall back on. It's easy to get twisted in this business. That's uh, hmm. good. To make sure they had something to fall back on and didn't get twisted, uh, <laughs> school naturally became a big part of the equation. When Jonathan got the role in Home Improvement and the family moved, he was in the middle of third grade. Oof. Do you? Do, I can't even remember what my mental capacity was in third grade. I I remember my teacher 
trying to teach us about the basics of how to like how fractions worked and i distinctly Mm. remember the thing i was daydreaming about when she was explaining that which then was why i never had any foundational knowledge of fractions and do not to this day which is why i cannot figure out a tip or anything so i i just remember (laughs) what i was not learning back then yeah third grade here's what i remember um a uh brett kavanaugh put a piece of lead in my hand uh by playing around with a pencil at the desk uh, which is still in my hand to this day. And that's why you didn't want him to get confirmed to the Supreme Court. <laughs> oh my god, wait. Uh, no, I'm confusing it. I, I did take Brett Kavanaugh from... Wait, no. What am I thinking? I don't know. Anyway. Landon, you should have uh, come forward with the story during during the confirmation <laughs> hearings, man. That could have turned Brett? everything around. Yeah, Brett Kavanaugh, dude. Okay, then I, I'm mixing it up. The, the, the guy's name was Brett. I can't remember what his actual last name was, so, which is fine because I don't need to out him anyway. So wait, um, what, you're, what, you're, what you're saying then is that you misremembered the, the story? Because then that plays right into kind of the Republican accusations that uh, that that something didn't actually happen. Well, that, But this I do is, have the lead to prove it. I just don't. Okay. <laughs> I will submit my hand in evidence just like the guy who got uh, the bullet lodged in his wrist by the, the guy who shot uh, Wild Bill Hickok. Okay, um, okay, fair, fair. Uh, the other thing I remember from uh, third grade was being taught cursive and not being able to get it. And Oh, no, really whatever did you do in life? <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I got a dog in fourth grade, so. Oh, that's great. So happy ending there. Yeah, exactly. I, and I'm oh, using cursive to this day, so. Wait, oh, you still, you actually, whoa. It's an, it's totally intentional. I, I one day just decided, you know what, I don't want to look like I have chicken scratch anymore, so I'm going to really force my hand at learning cursive. If if we were in the same room, Landon, I would be furrowing my brow and looking at you through squinted eyes so hard. Um, that's just a shock to me. <laughs> uh, I Look, here's the one thing I'll say about third grade. Okay. I know when I was in third grade, I know this about myself. If someone said to me, hey, Truman, um, do you want to move to Hollywood and be on a popular TV show and never go to school again? Like never have to go to school and really basically have a pass to not pay attention to your studies and not have to learn things you don't want to learn? I would have said, fuck yeah. I would have not had any con- <laughs> like, oh, what about mm, what about what happens to other showbiz kids? What happens to oh, what about have something to fall back on? No, I would not have thought. Ahead, like JTT, I would have been like, "Fuck it all, burn all books." I hate this place. Woo! How do you feel about helmets and elbow pads? Oh, I well, because I didn't learn. I didn't learn to ride a bike until I was nineteen years old. So I think I was really? pretty. I was fairly pro. Oh yeah, no, I was. I did not have a lot of balance. So I think I would have been all about safe. I was a cautious. I was a cautious child who hated school. So that was the. That was the yin and yang like of my character. An odd combination, but uh, I, you, yeah, you don't get a lot what of makes that. You, you, and that's what we love about it. Oh, well, thank you, Landon. So back to, to back to totally TSC, the story all about Truman growing yeah. up. Uh, yeah, you you would have. I wonder what the twisted version of Truman Caps would have been had you been injected into Hollywood in third grade and did not find free time to be a kid. Uh, you know, it it probably would have. Been, I would just spiral downward into a into a nasty cycle of Diet Coke and N sixty four playing and uh, <laughs> never full and and. Not only would not have learned fractions, I probably wouldn't even even learn my multiplication tables. So <laughs> I just picture you on Geraldo with the TV and controller in your hand, the same way that like Violet on Willy Wonka won't ever take the gum out of her mouth. <laughs> just, her like Mike TV is just always watching TV, even when he's being interviewed. <laughs> Honestly, I think I think Mike TV and Willy Wonka is actually a lot closer to what I would have been if I if they had if they had taken me out of the school system and thrown me into Hollywood, the place that I already idolized. Oh my god! 
Okay. Um, all right. We have like sen- two sentences left to get through this, so let's do this. Um, this is a sentence, let me tell you. When Jonathan got the role on Home Improvement and the family moved, he was in the middle of third grade. It was never easy changing schools in the middle of term. No one, after all, likes to be the new kid when everyone else has already made friends. But if mm. anyone could weather the discomfort of breaking into a new crowd, it was friendly, outgoing Jonathan. <laughs> that he should have been the th- name of the book. <laughs> <laughs> he entered third grade at a Los Angeles public, uh, Los Angeles area public school in February. Fuck yeah, public school. And, and by March, he had made friends who considered him just one of the guys. Oh. Until he has to bear his breasts at the end of the thing, end of the movie, because he uh, developed a crush on somebody. Landon, I, I I love that we were both trying to come up with a just one of the guys joke, and you got there first. My, the best the best that I can do is that uh, one of the other tenants in my apartment complex is a woman who played a supporting role in just one of the guys. <gasps> what? Uh, yeah, correct. Which correct. role? I do, like I don't I don't remember with what, what right, the we role probably is. shouldn't out her on <laughs> on the air either but No we should I could also I could I I and I and in the interest of not outing her I found this out by looking up her IMDb after once running into her on the roof and and talking for a few minutes. Uh she also was married to someone who was a member of the A team. I'm not going to mention which one, wow, but okay. uh, if you want to if you want to really go deep and do some some uh, serial style research, maybe you can find out. So that's a little that's a little something for you guys. I think I'm going to end up doing that cuz just one of the guys, not a good movie, but very formative for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think I think any movie where the climax is a woman taking her top off is very formative <laughs> for uh, for a whole generation of boys. <laughs> oh my god. Um well, I could go into more details about that, but to spare everybody i'm not going to <laughs> next uh, week on landon solano junction <laughs> let's an uh, nc-17 episode let's get back to the actual episode home improvement uh because we're yes. still at the beginning and we are over an hour into this thing oh uh, well, well we'll we'll you know maybe we'll put our stuff in gear a little bit more here okay great so yeah brad comes so home. yes brad comes home and he is rocking a haircut that is uh bad it's just a it's, it's just a, a real bad haircut okay let's, let's take the time now it's yeah. a bad haircut yes i'm not going to contest that is it shocking? Maybe for ni- this is why I preface this in the, in the synopsis. It might have been shocking for 1990, but if if this someone was walking down the street with this haircut today, I would not even they wouldn't even register in my head. Yeah, I agreed. Agreed there. Agreed there. But I think that's also just part of the LA rule that you're never going to be the best looking person and you're never going to be the weirdest looking person. Yeah, like okay. there's just cuz there's just so much shit always going like in a big city. There's so much crazy stuff. Uh, although that being said, I feel like I have seen a haircut like this on like a in like a fashion show or something, like some runway model like well, rocking I mean, he, this shit. He's damn close to having a man bun, which yeah, is all yeah. the rage. He is ahead of his time in that regard, and he, it's really looking into my future too. It's um, a man tail. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of it's a little <laughs> it's more than a rat tail, but it's less than a ponytail. It's a man tail. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's it, so it's. It comes in. I mean, I'm I'm really interested in the story of how Brad thought that this was good. Like, because I don't think anyone ever would have thought this was a cool haircut at the time. So I don't know how Brad landed on this look. Hello. <laughs> uh, I had a similar haircut when I was his age. Oh, Landon. <laughs> oh, Landon. You should have warned me up front. <laughs> Here's the oh. thing. Okay, guys, had, this is going to be a three-hour episode. We're cracking this one open. <laughs> I had long hair. 
Uh, my God, my parents hated me having long hair, but it was the grunge days, man. And yeah. it, it was it was bad long hair. I'm not going to lie. There's only a handful of photos of me with it. In fact, my mom hated my haircut so much that when I eventually got it cut in the middle of the school year, she paid extra to have me get a new portrait taken for the yearbook. <laughs> 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 that's how much he hated it and so that's... i had long hair but it was parted straight down the middle oh and no. went down on both sides so oh, brad dear. could technically do what i had uh with my hair because it was shaved up the sides as well and then the kind of <laughs> the, the part the long part on the top would drape over the the shaved part on the sides you know i that... could have put it into a ponytail i just didn't I now see the genius of that haircut. Uh, it's the versatility. You can have a man tail or you can have it, uh, you know, droop over the shaved on the sides bit. I mean, the possibilities are endless. Uh, it's true. And then my dad, he, he got to the point where he was like, you know what? I will pay you $100 if you go shave your head. And uh, I did. What? Landon, and, and did, the, did you then start getting bad haircuts all the time and make loads of money that way? Because that's, <laughs> I feel like that. It, that... Was, a, it was a one-time deal. And oh, man. It was the first time I shaved my head, too, uh, something that I, I still return to uh, these days where it's just like, okay, we need a fresh start. Let's just cut it all uh, cut it all off because I cut my own hair. I have for like the last 15 years. I come from a, a family of barbers, so I have no fear of just like eh, it'll grow back. And worst case scenario, you'll just shave your head and start over. Uh, a, a family of barbers is just such a tantalizing thought right now the fact that there are, there are houses where everybody is trained in how to cut hair and how much oh no no I, I didn't mean it like that that's just that's what you call a group of barbers is a family of barbers <laughs> <laughs> well better that than a murder of barbers I suppose <laughs> um, you call that a Sweeney Todd <laughs> a Todd of barbers um and, and also I guess I would uh, I, I would also say when you shave your head then do you still do you like Take, do you get a $100 bill that you just hand to yourself when you shave your own head? Like, is there, like, a positive association with, like, I shave my head, I get money? Uh, no, that's that's uh, long gone out the window. But uh, uh, I bad. do, technically, I would say I'd save, you know, a couple hundred dollars a year giving myself haircuts. Yeah, more than that if you're John Edwards. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, hope, hope. Well, people enjoy that really obscure old old bit of topical <laughs> reference. Um, oh, my God. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's not, you know, okay, well, with all respect to you, Landon, it's a, uh, it, this haircut is ahead of its time. It's just, and, and the Philistines, <laughs> uh, much like yeah, Rembrandt. Of its time. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, just not, re the genius isn't recognized in its time. <laughs> um, but Jill tries her best to be uh, a supportive mom about it, saying like, oh, it's, it's just interesting, you know, it's short and it's long and it's got a tail, you know. <laughs> I, I love Jill's reaction here. She's it, yeah. doing the parenting that – and gives the direct explanation for why she's acting that way that I would have loved to have had as a kid and as a 38-year-old man. <laughs> 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 yeah, I because she's telling like he's saying like, oh, you hate it, don't you? And she's like, no, 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 I'm just getting used to it. I'm sure eventually I'll like it. And she waits for a second. I'm there. I like it now. <laughs> I mean, it's 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 all time Patricia Richardson greatness. Absolutely. And then, of course, it's countered by Tim walking in, seeing the hair and just going, why did you do that to yourself? He he says, and I wrote this down. He says, you look like an idiot. <laughs> And I feel like I I got that line as well when I was a kid. I if I, not for my parents, then maybe my grandfather, who was also very traditional buzz cut. 
Ah, yeah. Well, I mean, that's, you know, the, the, the older generation, you expect that, you know, these people lived through World War II. Like, they can, you know, they're going to tell someone they look like an idiot. Yeah. I, um, when I was a kid, I once, uh, I, I went, or I was a guy, I was middle school. I went to the barber, got a haircut. The barber did a horrible job. Just, just simply terrible, like, cut it too short, cowlick sticking up. It was really bad. And so I, I come home and my dad sees it and he's like, oh, oh no. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> and then, and then my mom comes, but my dad was like, you know, just like, okay, well, eh, you know, whatever. And then my mom comes home and sees it and is very upset, like not at me, but upset at the barber. Like, cause I, you know, they'd given mm-hmm. me money to go get this haircut and he did this shitty job. And I just heard her, like dad was trying to calm her down in the next room. And I just heard mom yell, he looks like a refugee. Um, <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> wow. How do you process that? <laughs> I, 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 I don't know because I still am. It's only been 20 years. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know, but I still that still lands softer than you look like an idiot. So I still think my mom beats Tim in that case. I, I, you know, okay, look, there's a lot to break open in this episode of Home Improvement with the characters and the story, but we I feel like there's ripe opportunity here for me to get information about one of the most enigmatic and majestic things about Truman Caps, which is your hair. Oh, I have Jesus. questions that we need answers to. How long have you? Because you have had the same haircut. I mean, varying in length, obviously, uh, but essentially <laughs> the same style. Yeah. Um, since I've known you, how long yeah. have you had this haircut? Uh, I've had this haircut since oh god, let's see, since I was 16 years old. So wow. that would be 2004. Yes, I'm sorry to give you that clue to my age. Uh, but yeah, so I hope, I, I hope you edited out the vomiting noises I made for your own sake. Yeah, no, no, no. Thank <laughs> you. I'll I'll listen to them and then stop. Uh, stop them beating in the episodes. I don't Perfect. have to hear it anymore. Uh, no, but like when I was 16, I started combing my hair the way it looks in the uh, in the icon on the podcast thing. And that, but then before that, it was just a bowl cut. So at the time that this happened, the guy just had to give me a bowl cut. But like my hair, I have a lot of cowlicks mm-hmm. and weird weird channels yeah, and, and energies. That, yeah, yeah. And I think that's that's why too. That's why I think people like us that have a lot of colleagues are attracted to kind of longer or pompadourish hair because yeah. you are using the the colleagues you're you're not fighting against them anymore you're like okay fine you want to go in this direction we'll go in that direction and we'll work with you Yes, exactly. And you got to just keep keep weight on the cowlicks to kind of like just <laughs> all right, you, you go where you want to go. I'm just going to keep you from springing up. Mm-hmm. Um but so this guy did not respect the voodoo forces at work with my cowlicks, and so it was sticking up in crazy places. This is to the, be fair, uh, to be to be even-handed. Yeah, somebody who has never dealt with a hair line that has the number of colics in it that I'm presuming you do, you know, based on how many I have, um, they're not going to know what to do with it if they're not expecting it. Particularly if it's long and they can't see the natural formation of what the colic is doing. So this is coming from a family of barbers. I, I've had a number of bad instances of you know, or instances of bad haircuts where I was just going to somebody new and they had no idea what to expect with my head. Because um, <laughs> I have I have two colics right in the front that kind of make devil horns. Uh, oh, that's, one on that's the left, dope as hell. One on the right, and then I have one where normally people like it's kind of the yamaka spot, the kind of back of the head. And <laughs> I love does, that bar. 
<laughs> the Manischewitz there is amazing. They have specials on Tuesdays. Well, actually, on the, Saturdays. The colic on the back of my head is a perfect spiral. So it's just every direction that the hair can be going, it goes in. And it's impossible to keep flat. It's impossible to trim short. It's impossible to style long. Um, and I had a very similar experience to yours where the, I had one haircut, only a single haircut since I've moved to Los Angeles, where I went to a barber, paid, I don't know what it was at the time, 25 bucks, came <laughs> home, hated the haircut and thought, you know what? I've hated my haircut every single time I've gone to the barber for years. Why? I, I can do just as shitty of a job. Why pay for it? <laughs> and so <laughs> that kind of led me onto this path of cutting my own hair and learning you know, the spots of my colics and what I can do with them. But oh. someone going into it blind is just, you know, I have a lot of, uh, uh, I don't want to say compassion, but a lot of understanding for what they're up against. <laughs> uh, you know, and I get, I mean, on some level, yeah, I have compassion. On the other hand, this dude is a professional barber who presumably had to pass some kind of state cosmetology exam or something to problem. be working in that shop. <laughs> oh, okay, so you're going to put it off on the State of Oregon Board of Professional Licensing and Registration? Wow, man. <laughs> way, way to deflect the blame. <laughs> um, yeah, that was... Um... I don't know why. Look, the the, the point is, uh, yes. before this thing ends, um, I just might I might be doing like you. I might get to your point and just be like, "Fuck it, I'll just buzz it and see what comes back," and then I'll have my third haircut in my life. <laughs> look, I've never cut anybody else's hair, but uh, you know, maybe that's a service I can provide during these times. I I mean, well, yeah, except that I I mean, we you know the the whole the whole point is that I can't see other people right now. But yeah, if you yeah, want to yeah. come over and if you want to risk it for the sake of cutting my hair, I mean, I'll take it from a. You know, you can bring a whole family of barbers over, and they can all have a have a go. <laughs> I think there's only, uh, I think there's only three of us left. I shouldn't. I'm not including myself. I'm certainly not a barber, but I think there's only three people in my family who are still. Um, doesn't matter. Let's get back to the episode. There's too many Sweeney Todds. Uh, yeah. So anyway, Tim is telling Brad, "You look like an idiot." You know, your your friends yeah. don't have haircuts like that. Why would you think that's a good idea? And Brad is saying, "We're always telling me, you know, don't just do whatever your friends do if they all." You know, if if my friends all jumped off a bridge, you know, should I go jump off with them? And Tim says, well, if you with that haircut, I'd tell you, yeah, I do it or something like that. <laughs> uh, and then Brad storms off. Uh, he, I, it's a blowout fight between the two of them. Yes. Blowout. Another form of haircut. Um, yeah. Although oh, the, the one thing is that Tim Tim tells Brad that he's not going to take him to the hot oh, rod right. store yeah, yeah. looking like that. And my note is just there's. At a Michigan, suburban Michigan, like, auto parts store, that is not the worst haircut you're going to see. And I'm sorry to slam on Michigan without having been there outside the airport. No, but I'm just I'll, thinking... I'll concede to that. That's definitely true. <laughs> like, you never are, like, nobody, it's not like you're going to the opera or some shit. Like, the, the no one's taking a shower before they go to the <laughs> auto body shop. No, no, absolutely not. Um... Anyway, they uh, yeah, because like is Harry Harry at Har Harry's Hardware? Like he has that just general Harry. buzz cut. Who nice? I like that. Uh, Thank you. Who's to say that that's a better haircut? That's just a different, you know, more accepted haircut of a different generation. So yeah, I, whatever. I don't know. Uh, I think it's all being blown out of proportion. Tim is way in the wrong about this, but yeah, Brad's like, I didn't want to go to the stupid hot rod store with you anyway. Uh, hot rods are us, and <laughs> walks out, uh, leaving Tim and Jill to um, kind of discuss this in the kitchen. And Jill just starts with, "Well, that was mature." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, Tim and, goes, and "Yeah, I know. Can you believe what he's doing to his head?" He's like, "No, I was talking about your reaction to that." 
<laughs> yeah, and and they kind of get into this uh, back and forth with with Jill saying, "Look, it's just hair; it grows back. This is normal. He's just He's a being kid an individual expressing himself." Yeah, yeah, and you know, Jill is saying, "No, no, no, you're being too lenient, you know, because you your parents let you do whatever you wanted." And Jill points out that she grew up grew up in a military family, and that. Uh, <laughs> Tim Tim points out in peacetime. Um, but also, I want to I want to point out Tim's because uh, I was thinking about this. I was trying to put myself in the shoes of my parents and other people who have this kind of qualm about haircuts. And mm-hmm. Tim's summation of it encapsulates it for me because it is completely irrational. He says, and I've quoted this: "Bad hair turns to wanting an earring, and an earring turns to tattoos, and ter- tattoos turn to crime, and crime turns into another bad haircut." Where yeah. it's just like, what kind of weird circle of rationality are you trying to spin for yourself just because you don't like something that somebody else is doing that has no effect on you? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that doesn't really that doesn't really shock me. That being part of Tim's like Tim having such a reactionary worldview, just knowing what yeah. we know about Tim and things that he doesn't like or doesn't understand. Mm. But that he, yeah, but that he, um, I it just, uh, it's weird because Tim, everything we've heard about Tim as a kid or as a college student was that he was constantly rebelling against authority. So if anyone was gonna understand or anyone was going to be fucking with their hair in a weird way, it would be Tim. Like, I mean, come on, it was. He was like a teenager in the late 60s when hair was like a musical that was popular. (laughs) Well, as the scene ends, uh, Jill kind of points that out to him saying, you you got in all kinds of trouble as a kid. A haircut's not going to do that. He's like, yes, I got into trouble, but I had a traditional looking haircut while doing it. Yeah, he said, d- d- is that where he says that he he looked like Ringo when he was doing no, it? No, no, that's know. later. That's later. Oh, that's right. Later, um, yeah. We get a hair buzzer transition. Uh, the, the clippers come in and shave the scene away. <laughs> we go to uh, the living room where Randy is rehearsing with Jill. Yes. And uh, Jill is, you know, reading for Juliet. He's reading for Romeo. And Jill is just going way over the top. Really, She's really, really bad. Really, really bad. Yes. Uh, Randy's on the couch, and she's uh, standing on the fireplace, uh, pretending it's the pulpit. That's not it. That's that's uh, the balcony thing. Balcony is that what? It yes. Is? I feel like a turret. Or, I don't know. It feels like there's a, another term. Rampart. For it. I don't know. Rampart. There you go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, she's she's being very over the top, and also props props to any actor who is like. There's layers to like being an actor portraying a bad actor. Like that takes some nuance. Admittedly, yes. this may not be the most nuanced way of doing it, but still, it's it's you know I always like seeing that. Um, and also her completely over the top reading of Shakespeare tracks really closely with a <laughs> season eight Frasier episode that I just watched, where they. Uh, <laughs> They they get this uh, Shakespearean actor who they loved as children to to come back and Derek do a one man show. Yeah, okay, Perfect. so you yeah. you remember it? Yeah, and he uh, yeah, and he is reading these lines exactly the same way as Jill is. That was a big thing in the nineties, <laughs> I guess, was people reading Shakespeare badly. Well, yeah, Jer- Derek Jacoby is a like the the. I mean, if there's a face for the Royal Shakespeare Company in twenty twenty, it's him. And, yeah. Uh, so I think it's it's a good. Uh, uh, in joke to have a Shakespeare trained actor be awful at acting. That um, is that is the kind of in joke they do on Frasier. This famous <laughs> esteemed stage actor playing a bad esteemed stage actor. Truman, listen, Landon. There's something we have to get to the bottom of. I'm listening. There's a mystery afoot. Oh dear. I know. There is a missing Shonzilla on our hands. Oh, shit, the case of the missing Godzilla, my favorite Columbo episode. 
as yeah, one Jill- more thing, Mister Mothra. Uh, you said that you shot lasers into Godzilla's eyes, but you don't have laser vision. I'm sorry. Continue, please. Uh, I think that's Mecha Godzilla, actually. Oh um, shit. Well, that's 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 why Mothra got arrested for for murder. <laughs> Columbo gets um, you every time. The so Jill is standing on the fireplace, and we're shooting over Randy's shoulder, where yeah. uh, Seanzilla is normally positioned on the fireplace, and it is not there. So this means one of two things. A, we have a Maltese Falcon sort of situation on our hand where somebody, there's some sort of caper where uh, it's exchanging hands over and over and over again. And uh, there are gunfights and alleyways uh, and, and maybe and, a femme fatale is involved. Who knows? And Seanzilla is, of course, the stuff that dreams are made of. <laughs> or uh, this goes back to one of our early theories uh, which I kind of want this to be evidence of, where Toy Story and Home Improvement live in the same universe, and Seanzilla ah. is actually alive and just did not make it back to his perch before <laughs> the humans arrived. <laughs> so he's he's frozen in place and fallen over onto his side, like upstairs someplace in the middle of some <laughs> exactly, other adventure. Exactly, yes. So no matter what, there's a huge adventure going on. It's either it's either a noir adventure that is all about like thievery and deceit and violence uh-huh. and sex, or it's maybe a... that's what Mark's up to. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he's doing in the in the garage. He's hiding Seanzilla up inside the car to drive it out someplace. Perfect. Yes, we do see him slide out from underneath the chassis. I think that maybe Seanzilla is hidden underneath there. Okay. Well, I think then then this unsolved mystery has been solved. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, Tim comes in and sees Jill rehearsing, and he uh, completely mocks Jill behind her back. He says, "Me thinketh, she stinketh," and who boy does the audience go nuts for that one? Just, uh, <laughs> just tearing up the seats and throwing them at the screen. <laughs> Jill tries to defend herself a little bit, um, but <laughs> ends up uh, with Mark. Um, coming through the scene to kind of confirm it, and uh, he walks out to the garage where uh, Tim um, follows him and sees that Mark is uh, helping with the hot rod. Uh, he's kind of lamenting that Brad no longer wants to to help and uh, says that Mark is his last hope. Yeah, one one son looks like a sumo wrestler and the other one is serenading his mom, and, and Mark just says, I hope you never get mad at me like you do at Brad. <laughs> Um, I also love that, like, Tim, A, immediately resorts to, like, calling, telling one of his sons that he's his favorite son and all of the huge baggage that that's going to create throughout <laughs> yeah, the family. Right. You're my favorite son now that my favorite son is no longer my favorite son. And and also the fact that Mark reacts to it so coolly that Mark has clear, clearly, like, has a good <laughs> enough understanding of Tim to be like, oh, yes, you're pitting us against each other because of your own uh, feeble feelings. <laughs> I, I speaks to that. layers of trauma. Um but uh, yeah, so uh, Brad comes through the scene, yep. and they just argue about the new engine that that Tim is going ahead to the going ahead and putting in the powerful new engine that Brad didn't want to put in the hot rod. Yeah, and Tim's like, I don't know. He says something, and Brad he's like, "Oh, I didn't think you cared about the hot rod anymore." He's like, "I don't." Well, good then, get out of here. And he's like, "I will," and uh, you know, he walks out, and and <laughs> Mark rolls his eyes, which was amazing. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's and- more of that Mark's ass. Mark, he doesn't Mark even need sass. a line to, to do Mark's ass. <laughs> we cut to uh, maybe my favorite scene of the episode. Yes. <laughs> the backyard yes. where Wilson is now helping Randy rehearse. 
and complete with complete with uh, he's he's even gone so far as to conjure up the occasional phone pole in the backyard <laughs> and has climbed halfway up it to simulate the balcony. And uh, it turns out Wilson used to be an actor. Yes, not only not only that, but he 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 put on a rousing rendition of Juliet at one point in his life. Yes, at the Greenville School for Boys. So this takes my takeaway from this is that both Jill and Wilson apparently went to like single sex like uh, private schools, which yeah, is just which I don't think is uncommon for their childhood. I guess not. No, I don't know. I don't know what kids did back then. Um, <laughs> I mean, Wilson. I mean, we're talking like man, like nineteen forty, maybe he would have been ten okay. years old. And he probably did go to some kind of super genius, like, X-Men type school. So, uh, yeah. okay, that, that And who fits, knows that what fits. they do in Canada. Yeah. Oh, God, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> they, uh, you know, they, they, they've got to have, they've got to separate the, the men from the women. The girls learn how to make maple syrup. The men uh, learn how to make back bacon. Yeah, it's, it's just part of the culture up there. Just stereotype, stereotype, stereotype. I um, will stereotype a rich country full of white people. The act... <laughs> A rich country colonized by white people that is now extreme. I will I will criticize the functional country led by smart people. Thank you very much. That is punching <laughs> up. Fair. Okay. Um, Jill comes out uh, and catches Randy red-handed, uh, having asked somebody else to rehearse with him. And she yes. she's not too pleased by this. No, no, she's not. Like, uh, you know, I Randy tries to play it off. He says, I was out here rehearsing with Wilson, so I'd be good enough to rehearse with you. And uh, J- Wilson goes, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Jill. I had no idea I was usurping your role. And she goes, you've had your eye on this part all week. <laughs> and, and what culminates here is a William Shakespeare off between Wilson but- and Jill. But wait, before before that, though, before that, I just have to get this other line in. Oh, yeah, sorry. Like, w- Wilson responds to Jill by saying, Randy beseeched me to help him out with this part, and Jill just whirls around to Randy and goes, You beseeched him? It's like, I don't even know what beseech means. That Okay, you know what? I made some comments up front that this episode wasn't that funny. This, 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 this episode's funnier than I gave it credit for, and this scene in particular is just, it's just hysterical. This is if really you good. had told me in season one that at some point in this series... We would have a Shakespeare off between Wilson and Jill. That would have sold me on like, okay, I don't care, rain or shine, we are finishing this until I can see a Shakespeare off between Wilson and Jill. Yeah, that is my yeah. lifeblood. I still live for that, I, and I'm still holding out hope that one day they're go- this is going to continue to be an arc for the rest of the series where they just throw little jibes at each other in Shakespearean language, and it ends with some. sort of like Rushmore style uh, play <laughs> where they're both competing for the same role. Jill is up playing Juliet on stage. And then all of a sudden uh, on the opposite end of the stage, Wilson comes in as Juliet and they both do competing lines <laughs> from the play uh, to but, arousing applause. But there's always a spear. There's always a spear carrier standing right in front of him, though, with his prop spear blocking the lower half of his face, so it still it still fits. Perfect. Or a veil over his face, yeah. yeah. Or a veil, yeah. But the the play is just called Juliet and Juliet. If you would, <laughs> if you told me in season one that 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 a few years into the show we would have an entire episode about waiting for Godot and then also an entire <laughs> subplot about a Shakespeare off, I would I would have been shocked. Yes, agreed. Yes, this does feel a little bit out of uh, Home Improvement's uh, canon, but uh, that's why I love it. Yes. If, if I had to show Frasier and Niles one episode of Home Improvement, this so far <laughs> would be the one. 
because they would definitely agree with the haircut situation as well. Might be ah. the only common ground between Tim the Toolman Taylor and Frazier. <laughs> I don't know. I think Frazier would just be looking at at Mark. Uh, I'm sorry, at Brad's big luscious head of hair and Mark's too, I guess, and just being like you know jealous and broody in the way that he is. <laughs> yeah, ah, I remember. Frederick showed youth. up. I mean, there's that episode. Well, maybe you haven't gotten it to yet, but uh, what was that? Moody thirteen-year-old Frederick, where they go yes. camping. Yeah, exactly. We leave at dawn. Yes. <laughs> so if Frederick showed up with Brad's haircut, I feel like Fraser would be equally nonplussed by it. I would like to see that episode. We could do a double feature. <laughs> then we get one of the uh, uh, one of my favorite transitions, actually, uh, in a long time. Um, I don't even know when I said I've liked a transition. Not yeah, that I'm this is... against them necessarily, but I really like. There are these tomatoes that come from the void oh. and just splatter against the fence. <laughs> it's kind of like that Muppet Babies episode where uh, where Fozzie tells a joke to the TV and the TV throws tomatoes at him. Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah. And then one hits the screen and it swipes us uh, with a tomato slime to tool time where Green Week is continued. Yes, and uh, there, Al is explaining to everyone that uh, we're going to teach you about how to fix up your car so you can stop all those bad emissions that pollute the air. And this made me laugh a lot, and it's not a joke that is really deserving of a laugh, but Tim just kind of leans over to Al and goes, you might want to lay off those breakfast burritos. <laughs> <laughs> and much like something that I mentioned in the Nights episode we recorded before this about about I how I take a bizarre and uncommon amount of joy from John Candy and Spaceballs looking at the camera and saying, funny, she doesn't look Druish. Somehow just the delivery of Tim Allen saying that just just just, just slays me completely. It was good, yes. It, uh, it was and the well fact that Elle doesn't, you know, need to have a comeback. They just, like, let the joke have its moment and then they move on. Um as they start to go into the, uh, you know, another, I can't remember what Al wants to get into this in, in this segment, but it's, uh, I think it's it's just about like reducing the emissions from your. Oh, is that car. the whole thing? So, okay, yeah, something uh, that you know, if people had taken seriously in the late '90s, you know, tailpipe emissions, maybe the world wouldn't be so fucked right now. But fortunately, <laughs> Tim distracts from this topic, so it never gets you know, handled on air. Exactly, exactly. What does get handled on air is that Tim uh, starts to go onto his soapbox about his son's, uh, a.k.a. Brad, uh, his son's new haircut, uh, and asks, uh, how many of you guys have ever dealt with a, 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 oh my God, child? Your, your son, yeah, your, your son getting a, getting a bad haircut that you hate? I was, I was trying to think of the word child or kid, and it wasn't coming to me, um, coming home with a bad uh. haircut. The, the the joys of being two childless guys, you even forget what children are called. <laughs> uh, and a number of hands go up in the audience, and one in particular in the front row uh, goes up, and Tim goes, oh, you have? Why don't you come on down here? And he invites an audience member onto the set of Tool Time for the first time in a long time. We haven't seen that yeah. happen maybe in like two seasons. It's been, it has been a while since he's done this. You know who the move. last person was? The last duo? Brought down from well, the audience? It wasn't Dave Chappelle and that other guy, was it? It was. I, oh, I'm man. almost certain of that. You go out on a high note with that one. <laughs> uh, uh, but he invites a man named Kendall down. Do you think that 
they uh do you think that when you're buying tickets to see tool time in in the live audience do you have do you, do you pay extra for a front row seat because like <laughs> there's the chance that you might get called on to be on the show to talk about whatever's on I, tim's mind i that think it's day? press or right rules whatever yeah. <laughs> however they choose the people that come down from the audience and that uh same same thing happens on tool time okay okay that seems fair uh, uh yeah but so he, kendall Al starts a protest saying, you know, hey, Tim, I thought we were supposed to go through this segment. Tim's like, oh, we're on to something else now. And pushes uh, Al into the new um, configured tool time set where it has a hidden bookcase that closes Al between. <laughs> what do you call those beds that uh, fold down from the wall? Like a Murphy bed. Like a, a Murphy, Murphy bed, yes. Yeah, it kind of just like shuts Al out. In, yeah, he encloses Al in the wall, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he invites Joseph, or I'm sorry, he invites uh, Kendall onto the show by um, starting up the interview area that comes out from the wall. I, I will just say that the proper term for what he, like, the the fast way to describe what happened to Al is he cask of Amontillado's Al into the wall and then uh, <laughs> and then brings out the interview chair. Brings out the interview chair, and uh, that brings us to Character Actor Corner this week for um, a character actor named Joseph Whip. Joseph Whip. Yes. Mm, whip it good. Now, this actor, okay, he has 101 credits. I have to give him props because yes. he's been acting since, uh, I want to say, the late 70s, um, doing basically the same type of role, but in a lot of high-profile stuff. So he's someone that you've come across many, many times, but he's not ever anyone that would technically be on your radar. Um, okay, and I'll give you uh, a for instance. Um, he's in the first Nightmare on Elm Street and the first Scream, and I Ooh. still didn't recognize him. <laughs> Whoa, you uh, who pay so such close attention to background actors. I know, I know. He's just uh, I don't know. I just did not pick up on him. Um, but he plays Sergeant Parker on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, which is um, a subordinate of John Saxon's character, who is the you know first the front runner of that. And he plays Sheriff Burke in scream, which is obviously second to Dewey. Um, yeah. he's also in escape from Alcatraz uh, playing a guard, the Clint Eastwood movie. Okay. Um, some of his TV, uh, uh, credits. I was waiting for you to ask the question. What was he on cheers? He was on cheers. He was on cheers. Who was he on cheers? <laughs> in an episode in, uh, 1986 called fear is my co-pilot. Okay. Uh, Fear is my co-pilot. He plays Jack Dalton. Um, he was on an episode of the 80s Twilight Zone. He was on an episode of Moonlighting, uh, Hill Street Blues, Cagney and Lacey, The Golden Girls. He was on 21 Jump Street, um, another <laughs> horror movie that I love that is so bad. Uh, it's called Death Spa, otherwise known as uh, Aroba's Side, I think it's called. <laughs> That's... Um, pretty good name it's uh yeah so he's in some pretty great horror movies um he was on an episode of night court with uh charles robinson who plays bud uh days of our lives he had a 15 episode run on that he was also on the jeff foxworthy show <laughs> uh which makes me wonder if our uh interim director this week andrew um Tsao, uh has some sort of personal relation to him uh, or whether or not Tim Allen does, because he was also on an episode of Last Man Standing. I'm just waiting for you to cut me off so that you can tell me whether or not you have an answer to our metagame, was he on ER? 
I, I'm sorry. I'm just on the Cheers wiki looking up Fear is My Co-Pilot. <laughs> so you weren't and I listening have, to a word I said. I have this sinking feeling that I may have fallen asleep at the end of the prior episode and Netflix played this one. And so I'm scared that I have like a blank spot in my Cheers memories. Oh, it's from I, 1986. I don't, I don't, I know. I mean, I'm reading all about it, Landon. I, I, I'm sorry. I have to, um, I have to go. We have to stop the podcast. I, I, I'm, I need, I need to like, I need to stand and look at the ocean for a while. I understand. Priorities. There's something about Cheers I don't know. Okay. But, but, uh, but all joking aside, except it's not a joke. Cheers is very serious. It's always serious. The real uh, question, gonna... the, the important yeah. question is, was Joseph Whip on the TV series ER? I'm going to say no, he was not, because I'm not hearing a lot of, I'm, yeah, obviously some daytime soaps, but not a lot of, of primetime dramas, so I don't think he was in league with those casting directors. Well, I might have just been because I didn't say them. Uh, he was on oh. Melrose Place. He was on uh, Baywatch. He was on NYPD Blue. He was on Whoa, I, Dark I, Skies. I changed it. I changed it. I changed it. I changed it. I changed it back. I changed it back. He was, he was on ER. Shit. I didn't realize he was on NYPD Blue. Fuck. That's important for me to know. <laughs> He was on NCIS. So the metagame is, did Joseph Joseph Whip, did he play a character named Alan in 2001 on the TV series ER? I'm going to say yes, he did. You're right, he did. Yes, ah, nailed it. <laughs> I mean, I already said yes, so it still counts, even though the Chalupas aren't coming this episode because I fucked up the title. That's right. How could anyone have guessed that title? Um, anyway. Wow. Uh, he uh, was on okay. ER, and he was in a lot of other things. So uh, thank you, Joseph Whip, for existing and providing us with lots of character actor entertainment and supporting all of those projects. Let's get back to and, the episode. And, and thank you um, for showing up at a little bar in Boston and taking your ex-girlfriend, <laughs> Diane Chambers, and her new employer, uh, on uh, Sam, on a plane trip in which you disappear halfway through. Sounds like a great episode. I oh, should watch it sometime. Is that, that's not the episode where the pilot... He goes into, into the a meditative state. I think I think that's what it is. I don't really remember. Like I, that's the synopsis that like I read, but I don't in, remember. There's something about like back in the war, he he learned this technique to bring his heartbeat down to like he has like a death wish or something. I kind of remember the episode. Yeah, I you remember more of it than me, which is really killing my soul. But I yeah, I think that's what it is. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Apparently, Great. Frasier guest stars on that episode too. It's just got all the factors that I want. Season four, episode twenty one. Uh, it's also apparently Sam and Diane admit their true feelings for each other when they think the plane is going to crash. Yes! Guys, how did I miss this one? This is a pivotal episode. This predates the uh, plane going down in Seinfeld and Elaine almost. Uh... Oh, yeah. I admit she always loved Jerry. Mm-hmm. And George admitting that he cheated in the contest. Spoiler alert for Seinfeld. Um, <laughs> so, uh, anyway. Years, who uh, cares? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, anyway, the the this, you know, this guy whose name I have now forgotten uh, comes... Kendall comes and sits down um, in the interview space. Something that I loved is that you know there's the kind of this window in the set behind oh my God, behind the interview space. Yeah, and so as they're sitting down, Al just walks through behind it and just goes, "When you get back to engines, let me know." And walks away. It doesn't even just walk away. He does the the kind of fake walking down a stairs bit. That's <laughs> like every dad does that behind a couch. And uh, I'm like, that is so tacky and cheesy and exactly Al. And I couldn't help but think, was that an improv by Richard Karn that just happened to make it into the episode? (laughs) It's the only improv in Home Improvement history that has not just been dancing. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's perfect. Um, Anyway, the interview commences and Tim proceeds to ask Kendall, um, okay, so you've had a, a son come home with a bad haircut. What what happened? 
Yeah, and he talks about his son, Cloyd, because uh, he can want, you know, because he and his wife compromised on what they wanted to name the kid. She wanted to call him Lloyd. He wanted to call him Cletus or something. It came up with Lloyd. Uh, but they, um, yeah, he came home with a spiky punk haircut, and, uh, yeah, you know, Tim says, oh, you should grab him by the knees and use him to aerate your lawn, and then the guy says, oh, you're joking, right? And Tim goes, yeah, and then makes this weird <laughs> face at the camera, and my note here is just, gee, Tim, this is what happens when you pull a rando out of the audience with no preparation. <laughs> uh, then Kendall goes on to explain that, you know, we shouldn't have let him get that haircut, because then he ended up shaving his head and joining a cult. And I'm like, what? Okay, A, are you so self-deluded that you think a haircut led to these uh, events in his life? <laughs> I, I, think the, I think the point he was trying to make was that we gave him so much shit and scolded him so much about the haircut that then he joined the cult. That the, not that oh, the haircut led to the cult, but that their overreaction to the haircut led him to the cult. Ah, uh, I see. And then Tim goes, oh, are you joking? He goes, do I look like I'm joking? And then we end the scene. Like, this scene ends on such a dour note. I, it's it's like, t- this is like the most, se- like, serious moment of the episode, Tim being, like, scared straight and realizing, oh, <laughs> shit. <laughs> Maybe this is the last appearance of an audience member in the interview area. Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, Tim, Tim realizes, like, God, I just wanted to teach people about emissions today. <laughs> Should have just stuck to fart jokes. <laughs> Should have just had that burrito uh, buffet. Anyway. Um, oh, burrito buffet. Oh, Landon, get, you're speaking to my heart. We get a uh, next scene sliding into position transition where Jill is studying Romeo and Juliet, and uh, he is, she's really upset uh, by Wilson's chops. Yeah, upset that Wilson is a more convincing 13-year-old than she is. <laughs> uh, Tim comes in and is just, you know, Tim is... Uh, well, he's kind of put off by that, but he's in more of a hurry to get upstairs and talk to Brad. And Jill says, "Yo, you're not gonna, you're not gonna yell at him again, are you?" And he says, "No, I'm gonna talk to him, make sure he doesn't run off and shave his head and join a cult and change his name to Shamalama Ding Dong Brad because oh, because God, so bad. The, Cloyd, the, Cloyd had changed his name to some like Bogwan type name. I know it's on Patreon really. we we did a tropes episode recently. One of my least favorite tropes in the world is." Any kind of word that is hard to say that somebody thinking they're being funny ends it with Shamalama Ding Dong. <laughs> I, it's a very specific pet peeve of mine. I realize that. I, I, I once saw a video years and years ago of uh, Quentin Tarantino talking about like, oh, my favorite uh, 20 films to come out in the past 20 years. And he's like going through and listing them in the directors. And he said, and The Sixth Sense by M. Night Shamalama Ding Dong. And at the time I was like, that's not very funny. And now looking back, I'm like, yeah, way to clown on that Indian guy's name, Tarantino. Really good. <laughs> like, your name is so normal. Oh, God, yeah. Uh, you yeah. don't need to spark me to start getting Tarantino thoughts out, but I'm going to abstain. If, if I sparked that, this episode would be longer than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So, uh, well, and on we continue. It's, <laughs> we're only about an hour away, and I... Yeah, which is Fully sad, convinced guys. that we could make that happen if we wanted to. Um... He goes, the, the podcast could never end. <laughs> he goes up to Brad's room, and holy fuck, is this room messy. Like, I, it, I was not necessarily good about keeping my room clean as a kid, but it was never this bad. Yeah, you didn't, you didn't let it get Do not enter to... my room right now, though, because I did laundry <laughs> recently, and I have a bunch of clean clothes on the ground. Oh, but they're clean clothes, not dirty clothes. Like, that's... Well, I don't want to make judgments over whether, you know... Uh, listen... 
Jill brings up the laundry, sets it on the foot of Brad's bed, assuming that he's going to put it away. He thinks he's going to put it away, but then it gets late. He's tired. He has to go to bed, but can't go to bed with clean clothes on the thing. But he's certainly not going to put them away then. So he just kicks him off the bed. They end up on the floor in front of the bed and leaves him there and just picks him up one after one. Am I saying that I've done this? Yes, I'm saying I've done that. Um, but I don't want to presume that they're dirty clothes. Landy, just do what adults do and put the clean clothes in the hamper to bring them up from the laundry and just pull them out of the ha- We've talked about this. This is how adults <laughs> don't fold their laundry is they don't leave them on the floor. They leave them in the dirty clothes hamper and leave the dirty clothes on the floor at the foot of the hamper. Come on. How many times? Oh, my God. Uh, also, I just want to point out that Brad's room is wallpapered in flannel. <laughs> Ooh. So I don't know why Al was hired to decorate this room, but I'm glad that choice was made. I'm just upset we didn't see that episode. Uh, agreed, yes. Um, I And we... Surprisingly, not a lot of the decor has changed in this room since the last time we saw it. Still has the Smashing Pumpkins and Trent Reznor poster mixed with the R.E.M. poster. Now, yep. I mentioned in the past that there was a... a uh, 89X, 89.5 uh, on the radio dials was our alternative radio station that did at the time mix, say, you know, Head Like a Hole with Losing My Religion. Um, but in the grand scheme of things, the kind of industrial alternative scene and the college radio scene didn't jive too well. You weren't going to find Counting Crows and, I don't know, uh, <laughs> some of Soundgarden's more heavier stuff on the same channel, but... Uh, it's working in this room. Look, Landon, you know how sometimes you talk to somebody and you're like, what kind of music do you like? And they say, oh, you know, I like everything. Brad is that guy. He likes everything. <laughs> Brad you know, likes, listen, we know Brad at this flesh. point. Brad likes everything that's popular. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Well, except whatever's that haircut. Going, whatever's going to get him laid, uh, <laughs> is, well, maybe, maybe laid is a little extreme for his age. Maybe, uh, he, whatever's going to lead to a makeout session. And, you know, and that's the, ironically though, he actually really likes the song "Laid" by James, which was also getting a lot of college radio airplay at the time. <laughs> anyway, Brad has—he's uh, sitting there reading, um, and when Tim comes in to discuss uh, the haircut thing, and um, he says, "You know, listen, I might have overreacted a little bit because you know, when I was your age, uh, you know, I'm, I'm basically your grandparents treated me the same way that I'm treating you. When I was your age, I really wanted Ringo's haircut," and Brad's like. Duh, who? And this this gets huge larfs from the audience. People <laughs> think it's hysterical that a kid doesn't know who Ringo is. Yeah, the same, and I forgot to point it out earlier, the same audience who went, <gasps> when Brad walked in with his haircut for the first time. I've never <laughs> heard an audience reaction like that. There's, <laughs> what did that sign say? You know, there's applause, there's laugh, there's uh, cry, there's ooh. What's the... <laughs> audible gasping <laughs> sign i think that they just had an an old ass audience of of conservative older people who saw <laughs> saw brad walk in and like the the laugh sign was up and they all just over it over they overrode that it they was just gasped because just so an shocked. audience of plants not not yes. actual plants but audience plants participation but all, plants. but hey you know what man nature is returning and soon all the audiences will be full of plants. You know, the earth is healing and, and live studio audiences for the virus. <laughs> Certainly not in 1996, but, um, no. anyway, they start to discuss this. Brad has no idea who Ringo is, uh, which I don't, I disagree. I don't think that that's, I, well, I don't know. What do you think? In 1996, do you, th- I, I find it hard to believe that it wasn't ubiqui- ubiquitous who the Beatles were. 
I, yeah, the A, the Beatles are timeless. B, in in the late '90s, there were more Beatles alive than now. Yeah. And if I and if I said to, I mean, I'm thinking of the youngest people I know, which are my girlfriend's half siblings, who are like in their like between ten and thirteen. If I said to one, if I said to the three of them, "Do you know who Ringo Starr is?" I'm sure at least two out of three, if not all three, would be like, "Oh, he was in the Beatles." Like. At least they've heard of him, right? I mean, look, there's a very specific point in history, in our real-life history, not home improvement history, where Twitter didn't know who Paul McCartney was during the halftime show of the Super Bowl. That is the moment when the Beatles were no longer the most relevant musical influence on the world. Uh, It was not in 1996. (laughs) I mean, also, like, they're also, if you, you can kind of be forgiven for, like, not knowing paul mccartney because that name is like yeah it's a famous name but not necessarily notable how many ringos have existed in history you hear the name ringo once if if i said do you know who ringo is they're either gonna gonna say you want the haircut of harrison ford and ringo kid i don't get that (laughs) you want the haircut of johnny depp the cgi gecko (laughs) (laughs) that's rango oh no (laughs) what a hilarious malapropism um (laughs) Uh, yeah, anyway, it's... let's get on with this scene. They they start talking, and, um, you know, they kind of come to terms and understand, and Tim's like, yeah, okay, I, 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 I'm I okay with the haircut. What? Uh, it took uh, a lot for him to get there, though. Yeah, and he, he, he explained, I mean, I think it's a sweet scene. I mean, I, I guess to give Tim credit, like, I, you know, I like the way that this ends, and I, I think that this is a fairly, this episode is realistic just in that, like, yeah, you know, uh, fathers and sons will have disagreements about shit because, you know, I... I don't know. I think the way that Tim reacts to the haircut isn't necessarily egregious. It's just sort of like, yeah, he doesn't like it, and he's got a set of ideas about what it should look like. But then Tim handles it in a really good fatherly way by just saying, "Hey, you know, I might I don't get everything you do, but I still love you, whatever." And and I like that. Um, and not and, only and that, th- but he convinces Brad to continue work on the hot run. Yes, well, I mean, well, kind of. Brad, I think, always wanted to do that anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah. He, he also, but he also says, like, you know, eventually you turn into parents. Eventually, you're going to turn into me. And Brad just goes, "I'm going to need a lot of medical insurance." We go to the stinger where yes. uh, Mark is moving through the scene with a bunch of uh, clothes, folded clothes that uh, Jill presumably just did, and Jill is uh, awaiting Randy's news. Uh, as yes. Randy comes home from school um, after the final auditions. Yes. And, uh, he, you know, did you get the part? And he, like, doesn't want to tell her because he's, like, worried that uh, that she's going to want to keep rehearsing with him. And Makes so her finally, promise, like, I will tell you as long as you promise you won't want to rehearse with me. <laughs> yes. And she promises, and and Randy goes, well, I got the part. And then he just goes and runs upstairs, and Jill chases him, going, please let me rehearse with you. Please, 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 please. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah. I love their relationship. Um, I, I, love, I love watching Patricia Richardson act with JTT. They are two professionals who are just <laughs> really good and seem to genuinely like each other. You had me at Patricia Richardson act. Um, yes. <laughs> we go to the outtakes. I, wait. 
Yeah. I, I want I want to say just one. I, this is so stupid. I'm bringing up another thing at this point in the episode. I, I saw Patricia Richardson tweet something recently about just how, oh, you know, it's terrible in the middle of all this. Now all of the appliances in my house have, have gone haywire and sewage is backing up into my guest house. And I clicked on this because I saw there were a bunch of replies to it. And just seeing all the Patricia Richardson reply guys just going like, oh, no, I'm so sorry. Oh, that sucks. And then like half a dozen people going like, oh, did you have Tim try to fix it? Oh, God. And it's like, oh, man. <laughs> Being Patricia Richardson on Twitter. That's one thing that I think, I mean, I really, really wanted to be an actor and in the limelight when I was in my 20s, and I am Mm -hmm. so glad. Like, I see, you know, I watch, like, uh, shows like Comic Book Men sometimes where they have Mm -hmm. these, uh, you know, kind of iconic people coming in to, you know, and I'm like, man, I would not want that in my life. I would not want to continually have to pay lip service for the rest of my life or something I did as a kid or as a, you know, teenager or whatever. And to that, that degree, I always feel weird about reaching out to some of the home improvement people when we do. Yeah. Here, Cause it's just like, I know you're so much more than this thing <laughs> that we know you for. Um, and I, I feel so apologetic a lot of the times where it's just like, I don't want to yeah. rope you into that shit. Uh, I get it. And uh, like, if- uh, to, but everybody is Twitter in particular Every single person who's ever done anything of note, whenever they, it's like, can you imagine with every single tweet you put out, you would get the same sort of response that has nothing to do with the thing that you tweeted about. Like, like I tweet, I tweet something about like, oh man, I really love In-N-Out Burger and someone tweets back like, oh, but you love it as much as the Hudsucker Proxy? Because like in my fantasy, I'm, I'm famous, famous just for loving the Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, yeah, I'm famous off, that's, that's it. That's the only thing I'm known for. And the only thing I'm known for on this show is advocacy for one movie. Um, yeah, no, that would be... It's like whenever whenever I fantasize about meeting George Went, which do I do that a lot? Yeah, I mean like probably four or five times a week. I um I always picture myself going up to him and telling him how much I liked him in Man of the House or <laughs> something some other he, movie. Like he's like, I was in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really, I really loved you in playing Macaulay Culkin's dad in the black or white video. It was just, it was just so great. You know, um, I don't know. I, I want like if in my fantasies, I would know that I'm meeting George Went in a week, and so then I can take that week to watch every single other thing George Went has made, and then just only talk to him about his other work aside from Cheers. See, I, I, I don't fantasize about meeting famous people at all. But if I did, you know, I. If you did, it you, would be you and I've went. been around people. We we've been in the same situation. At, I think we've even gone into this before. I have no I, interest in speaking to a celebrity as them as a celebrity. I would be like, if the situation was natural, going up to them or being around them, and you know, saying, "Man, isn't black licorice underrated?" <laughs> you know, something that has nothing to do with what they do for a living. I don't want to find out that George Went doesn't like black licorice, though, because I love it. <laughs> and most of the people I know hate it. <laughs> um, Let me yeah, ask you it, this, uh, yeah. and then we'll end this episode. Uh, yeah. And it has nothing to do with home improvement, so I hope you edit it out. Good. Norm, what yeah. do you think his favorite type of beer is? Besides <sighs> cheap. <laughs> besides cheap, yeah. Besides, besides, I, I think his favorite type of beer is the one that he's drinking. Yes. Uh, if if money wasn't an issue, what do you think he would order off the menu? Do you think he would uh, he would keep it real and like I don't know why I'm saying real because Coors and Miller Lite those certainly aren't necessarily more or less real than anything else. But 
they're, I guess, maybe more traditional of what you would have found in a bar in the 80s? I like, think give me that, a well, give you a, but I, I, well, I mean, but if we're assuming that, we're assuming that money isn't an option and we're assuming he's at a bar that has, you know, a lot wide. So if he walks into a beer bar and can choose anything, I, th- I definitely think, and now this is someone who I don't drink a lot of beer, so I can't be a great judge, but I think it would definitely be lighter beers. I don't yeah. think he'd want something heavy like a porter because you can drink more light beers and, I, and Norm exactly is an alcoholic. the thought process I was going down to. I'm like, nah, IPAs, they're going to be a little too heavy handed nah. for, for nah. that. You can only do about two. Maybe Norm could do about four. Um, yeah. But he's going to want something you can drink all night long. Yes, yes, absolutely. I, I think, and honestly, he could be, this. they had a drink special at the college bar that I used to go to that has now been shut down by the state because of how many uh, people were getting roofied there. Not Ooh, funny, but okay, uh, uh, but they had, a, they had a promotion there called Dollar Beers, and uh, there was one time I was, like, you could get any beer in the place on Wednesday night for $1, and they had all kinds of good microbrews and stuff, and there was always a huge crowd. I was there for that one night, and this frat boy goes up to the bartender and goes, yeah, I'd like a Natty Ice, please. And the bartender's like, you know you can get anything for a dollar he's like yeah i want natty <laughs> oh i could God. see i could see norm doing that though like there's any <laughs> beer in the world he's like oh yeah i'd like the i'd like the thing they have on tap at cheers you know give me pbr like <laughs> i'm gonna order that the next time i am physically able to go to a bar i'm just gonna like, <laughs> give me whatever the closest thing to cheers beer you have <laughs> and slide it down the table to me please <laughs> and and uh, also ask me what I'd like and ask it in such a way that I can have a witty bon mot ready for you. <laughs> oh, my God. Anyway, we go to the outtakes. Tim flubs a line, and then we go to another scene where Tim flubs another line, and that's the end of the episode. No. Truman. No? No. But he flubs a line, and then he starts to dance. Oh, that's Because right. that's how— that, tiny that's improv, dance. baby. That's yeah. improv. And they teach that at UCB. I guess it's worth pointing out that it looks like it has become such a recurring thing for Tim uh, to do when he flubs a line that Jill, or Patricia Richardson, I should say, uh, starts to do the tiny dance with him as if like, oh, I know that this is the thing that you normally do when you fuck up. Yep. <laughs> I love that you call it the tiny dance because that makes Tim a tiny dancer. <laughs> <laughs> the tiny, tiny circles dance. Yeah, yeah, okay, that, that works. Don't, don't, hold, don't hold me closer, because I'm social distancing. But uh, What do we got for the grunt count this week? Uh, Why don't you guess, gu- Landon? My guess is zero. Your guess is off by one. What? Yes. Tim, when he's upstairs with, uh, with uh, Brad, and Brad starts talking about the hot rod engine again, oh, Tim God. goes, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, so it's- oh, man, I'm a little... I feel like the, the deck is stacked against me here, because whenever Tim has an opportunity to grunt unless it comes out of nowhere i'm usually like oh god car details i don't give a shit <laughs> and i'm taking down other notes so Landon, now yeah. you understand how stressful my constant vigilance my long watch has been <laughs> like i'm the watcher on the wall i am i'm kit harrington <laughs> oh i'm i i know i mean i i've been self-restraint with the calendars for the last couple weeks Oh, Landon, I, I appreciate the sacrifices you make for me. Uh, yeah, no, it's the one there. And we get some great Brad grunts. Unfortunately, we don't count those. Yeah, that's true. And we all, yeah. you are only counting Tim's grunts. I got to yep. be honest, as we're nearing the end of the season, I think we've only got five episodes left. I have no concept of what the season count is. I mean, it, it could be in the double digits. It could, well, I know it's definitely in the double digits, but... Uh, I mean, we could be talking a total of 12. We could be talking 70. I have no clue. 
I think, uh, look, I mean, I, I don't, because I don't keep a running tally. I just tally them all up at the end. I would be, I would be kind of surprised if it's more than 50, which is so ludicrous uh, <laughs> after yeah. what we've been through. I know, seriously. I mean, the fact that he can trump that in one single episode of <laughs> Uh, of season three uh God. to do an entire season combined that's that's shocking so okay if, if you t- i know we were talking about things if you told me x or y at the beginning of this show if you told me at the beginning of this show that there would be less grunting over time and not more grunting i would have called you a liar okay well if there's nothing else uh that we haven't covered in this episode let's just close the chapter on this uh i was gonna i don't know why i was gonna say this bitch which is not something i ever say uh, <laughs> that, that surprised me. So, um, Landon, what's gotten into you? I don't know. Heat stroke. Heat stroke. Definitely heat yes. stroke and hunger. Cause I'm going to go make, uh, my own version of a breakfast burrito after this. <laughs> um, with nothing else, I guess let's, uh, let's thank our patrons. Yes. Shall let's we? Let's thank our, I think we shall. Okay. So let's thank them. I'm going to. And then do it. It goes like uh, like this. Sorry, I just had to find the list. I couldn't find it here. Um, okay, so I want to thank Spencer. I want to thank Amber. I want to thank, thank you, Manbach. And thank I, you. I'm, I'm thinking maybe at a certain point I need to go with his real name. He gave us Manbach as like a uh, a fun thing to try. Um, so maybe we reveal his his real name at some point. Um, <laughs> I want to thank. That'll Fair. be that'll be. Yeah, a little little cliffhanger stuff. Go on. Who are you <laughs> I want to thank Farah. I want to thank, thank TJ. I want to thank Cheyenne. Thank you. Um, thank you. I want to thank Mason, and I want to thank, thank Michael. You. Thank, thank you, you all because so grunt work is made possible by people like you. Because if these, you enjoyed... these super long episodes are made possible by you. You are the disease. <laughs> the more money you inject into the show, <laughs> the longer the episodes become. So who's the problem here? Um, <laughs> uh, it's made people. It's God. I do that every week, don't I? Now, uh, grunt work is made of people. Yes, it is. Still, if is. you is. enjoyed today's show, want to help us create this content, consider becoming an official Grunthead sponsor over at our Patreon. That's right. For as little as one dollar per month, you'll get access to our exclusive bonus content, like our weekly Grunt Work Nights episodes, uh, which you can get for free at the moment. We've decided to extend our. Uh, payment pause uh through the month of may um as we did in april so uh if you are have ever been interested in getting involved in our patreon stuff now is the time you can sign up get our access uh access to our entire backlog of grunt work nights episodes uh including some uh some of our fraser episodes yeah oh you want Not that even some all of them you get access to yeah. all of them every piece of 100 percent of our fraser episodes and i think at this point we're nearing 100 grunt work nights episodes buddy Oh my God! That's that, that's a milestone in in and of itself. You, you, I liked how you didn't finish the sentence. You said, "Isn't that?" And it's just it could it could be a lot of things. Uh, <laughs> it is all of them. It is. It is. Uh, but you can do all of that over at our Patreon, uh, which is patreon.com slash gruntworkpod. Uh, but if you don't want to get involved in that, if if a two hour episode of Gruntwork proper is enough for you, then consider leaving us a rating review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to these episodes, because uh, it goes a long way to help us uh, get in front of others. Um, and if you don't want to do yeah. that, then you can at least tell us personally what you think. Uh, yeah, that's over on Twitter or Instagram at GruntWorkPod. Um, and lastly, if you're like, no, I don't like to participate. I just like to get information. You can do that over at our website. Which is www.gruntworkpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our uh, s- 
somewhat frequent newsletter. Uh, it hasn't happened in the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to try. It's been my, going on, guys. I'm going to try my damnedest to get one out this week. Um, but if not, then we'll just see you guys next week when we cover another episode of Home Improvement. That's right. Uh, I've been Landon Solano. I've been trimming caps, and remember, when trimming your bangs, always you want to cut just up short vertical cuts so they don't get uneven. Uh-huh.